Main Street Hospice, your hometown hospice, are experts in symptom management and caring. They serve Johnson, Marion, and surrounding counties. Premier Giant Productions is Indy's number one choice for premium video production. Our videos are custom built for you. They're designed to attract viewers by showcasing your message in a cinematic and visually appealing way. We offer many types of services, including TV and internet ads, corporate videos, event videography, editing services, and much, much more. Premier Giant Productions, Indy's number one choice for premium video production. Welcome to another episode of Everything College Basketball Podcast, where you'll find out everything that happened in the college hoops world. Now, here's your host of the show, Josh, Peyton, and Tyler. That's all, folks. to another edition of Everything College Basketball, presented by the Applied Right Painting Services, and yet again in conjunction with Premier Giant Studios. I'm, of course, by now you should know Josh Burton. I'm Peyton Burton. Tyler Cook, boys and girls. And we are here setting on episode number 20. And, fellas, we have our first national champion that was crowned in both the men's and the women's game this past week. First in our era, should I say. Yeah, first on the podcast, we crowned our first uh, NCAA champions for women's and men's. See, I got it right. But, yeah, we crowned those games. Um, Good games. I didn't watch the women's game. We was watching Mania. It was last week. But real quick, I said on Facebook that we had a big announcement to make. And I'm seeing a little bit different. Me and Cook got an unofficial merch on right now. What's, What's yours? Um, just, hey, it's, um, it's close to Easter. I figured I'd wear some Easter colors. It's coming, though. Wink, wink. <laughs> don't worry. You don't have to have unofficial merch anyways, because we officially have merch out right now. We just opened a shop on TeePublic. Uh, go to TeePublic.com slash user slash ECB podcast. Got food designs on there. Buy another $18. You got everything, T-shirts, phone cases, all you want. We'll have more designs coming in the future, but three designs to start with, and I like them all, and I'm glad we finally have merch out. Yeah, and Tyler, the first design, as you'll see, we'll, we'll post the link <clears> as soon as podcast goes, or as soon as we're done with the show. The first link is the classic Everything College Basketball in the NWO format. It's pretty sweet. With the ECB and right under Everything College Basketball. Um, the second one, by popular band, we have a shout-out T-shirt that you can now wear. You have your own shout-out, support us, and shout-out <laughs> somebody out in the public area. And then thirdly, um, we have an Everything College Basketball like design. It's one of I, Cook's I think Tyler, Tyler's It's probably his favorite. Oh, uh, by far, that's my favorite one. I like that little the little design that we got. Uh, go in there and check us out. And you know, he mentioned the pricing on the T-shirts. Each they do uh, a discount on one periodically. They switch them back and forth. I think right now the shout out one is uh, like fourteen dollars. Uh, they got stickers, everything, pillowcases. I mean, onesies, the, everything. Yeah, the price is very. It's it's pretty cool. You can get your sticker, throw it out there for us. You know, just help mm-hmm. us because we've been trying to provide some good content and we're trying to get the ball rolling on some more stuff as the off season rolls on. Yes, make sure you're. Um, you guys always support us, and what other better way to support us than rocking our merch out in public? So go ahead and uh, when we post the link, you know, whenever you can <coughs> buy a t-shirt, buy a couple t-shirts. And the good thing that they forgot, forgot to mention is that on this Tee Public, it's not just in like a white, black, or gray. You can oh. actually, they have different options of colors. 
So you can take the logo we have, and if you want a yellow T-shirt with the logo, you can get a yellow T-shirt. If you want a, a pink or purple or blue or whatever, as long as they, they have that option. So that's really cool as well. Yeah, so it varies it, it up. It makes <clears throat> us stand out. We got, one, we got three designs, but there's 30 different options that you could have. Yeah, and we would have had merchandise out probably a couple months ago. I've already had the designs made for a while now. It's just uh, finding the right place to start selling them on, the right online shop. And I really like Tee Public. Uh, Cook mentioned you have, like, deals almost every three days. Really good deals. Uh, right now, all the shirts are, like, $18, I believe, right now. So it's really nice, and I'm glad we finally have merch. Yeah, and, I mean, think about it. If you're going to spend 20 25 sometimes $30 or more on a, a Nike T-shirt, Spend 18 on everything called Draft, so support us for all the work we do for you. Um, with that being said, like we mentioned, we did crown our first set of national champions this past week. Uh, we will get to that here very shortly. But first, let's show some love to um, <coughs> to our, our sister site and founder, Mr. Conrad Cush and Everything Pro Wrestling. Conrad Cushman is the host of the Everything Pro Wrestling podcast. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And you can find that podcast on Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and all other podcast hosting sites. He also has a YouTube channel. So go to YouTube.com and in the search bar type in everything pro wrestling and hit that subscribe button. With that being said, um, we've, like we said, this is the beginning of our off-season podcast. We will be coming at you with a lot of different stuff here as off-season progresses. But on the other side of the break, we were going to kind of recap this past season. What a wonderful year it was, year number one for us, and um, a lot of good moments, and we'll, we'll recap on the other side. We'll catch you here in a minute. that we'll be recapping the season you know let's kind of go in reverse order let's start with the very end of the season what just happened last monday night we crowned our first national champion on the men's side in division one and the comeback the turnaround season is complete we'll never see another season like this um because there'll never be a, a first one seed to lose a 16 virginia overcomes all odds was one of the best three or four teams all year anyways, except for when they played Duke. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and Virginia gets their first national championship, first in school history and first under Tony Bennett. And how did they do it? They ran. I mean, no, their defense was good, but to oh. be honest, all three of us last week predicted, and we said, man, this will be a defensive struggle. And both defenses were good. That first five minutes was exactly what we thought it would be mm -hmm. against Texas Tech. It was like 5-4 under five minutes, or with five minutes in. Yep. Then all of a sudden picked up. That both teams started running, <clears throat> gunning, passing the ball, shooting the three. Like we said, combined maybe 15 threes. Boy, they shot like 30. They had, thir they had 13 made in the first half, I think, if I remember correctly. First of all, let's, let's get to that. For everybody who was worried about the national championship might be boring and this, that, and the other, you couldn't have got much of a better game for a national championship. No. That was the game to cap off the season that college basketball deserved. We had overtime. Yeah. We had – Probably the most gut-wrenching call I've seen in a long time as far as the ball going off Texas Tech's hand at the end of the game. Oof. It was a tip. Now, if this was just to the blind eye, 
it looked like Virginia tipped it out. But then when they go back to the replay, rolls right off his pinky. You know, I just I was like, there ain't no way. Why are they even going to the monitor? But there was a reason why. And that was, you know, that was a pretty pivotal point in the game at the end. It was basically runs back and forth. But whoever, the person that got the last run was the team that ended up pulling away, and it was uh, Virginia. They shot maybe, <clears throat> I think they shot 12 free throws in the overtime. Yeah, they, they did 12 not 12. miss. No. I mean, Texas Tech shot zero. The, the hack-a-shack towards the end kind of compounded that number a little bit. But, you know, Virginia, I told you. I told you, boys. Virginia did it. Yeah, um, before we get to overtime, see, Virginia would always – they kind of had – in a way, it was mirror image of, like, the Auburn game that they played because they'd pull away and Texas Tech would reel back in. They'd go up 12, Texas Tech would go in and run. Texas Tech, Jarrett Culver, exactly the type of game I thought he would have, didn't play the best because DeAndre Hunter ate him up. Mm -hmm. But we said Tech needed people to step up, and, boy, they had a couple people off the bench that just knocked down – I swear every three they would hit. Like, everyone they would shoot, they would hit. Tech reeled the game back in, was able to go up three. They were up three with 15 seconds left on Virginia to win the national championship. Ty Jerome drives hard at the rim, finds DeAndre Hunter wide open in the corner. Hunter hits a big three, 68 all. And this is where I'm saying, remember my bank when I said the game ends in zero and eight, right? Uh-huh. It would have won me $1,100. So I'm up on my edge of my chair. I'm like, let's go, let's go, boys. And um, I'm like, please, Jared Culver, hit a shot. I'm pulling for Tech so bad. And the best shot that they get is him in the corner and he got blocked. It was a great block by um, a Braxton Key. Yeah. And go to overtime, Virginia ate him up in overtime. Um, tech ran on steam. But Tech, I know you were really want to speak on um, Tech's bench play from that. Yeah, Tech's bench play played really well. You mentioned um, it was a slow start for Texas Tech. They didn't wait, went hitting shots, and Virginia was up maybe not double digits, but it was up a good amount. And then here comes Francis coming off the bench. He had 17 points total, full rebounds, 7 from 12 from field, and hit three threes. He hit, I'm pretty sure he had like two back-to-back threes that really brought them into the lead in the first half. Yep. Uh, first, uh, at the end of the first half, it was 32-29. Virginia was leading. And uh, second half, DeAndre Hunter really played well for uh, Virginia. He ate up. He ate up Jarrett Culver. 27 points, <laughs> 8 for 16 from the field, 4 for 5 from three-point land, 9 rebounds. He threw an assist out, and he only had one foul. This kid played a flawless basketball game. Yeah, and you mentioned Braxton Key. I mean, Virginia only had six bench points, and it was him, but he had ten rebounds. So that's big. Virginia actually out-rebounded uh, Texas Tech 38-30. to 30. Yeah, and 11 offensive boards for Virginia to um, Texas Tech 7. And Texas Tech's normally a good defense, a good uh, rebounding team. A guy rebounded. And I know that's a stat you like to see and you pay attention to, Tyler. I was, I was almost – if there was a, a bet to put on – on the outside, just the scoring or the over and under, I would have put money on Texas Tech out rebounding Virginia because the way they they swarm and, and double down on the uh, on the paint on the entry passes. So I didn't think Virginia was going to get any offensive glass. Maybe I mean a couple. It's going to happen, <coughs> but I did not see that happening whatsoever. But I did I did see uh, Virginia pulling out on this, and and that's a stat that I always say you need to have is out rebound the team. You're going to you have a better opportunity to win in the game. Numbers don't lie. Yeah, and I think, too, it's a credit to Virginia um, knowing that they're playing the best defensive team that they've maybe ever played under Tony Bennett. Texas Tech is number one defensive officially pretty much all year, um, going back and forth with Michigan and Virginia. And Virginia knew that they needed to get some easy points. We alluded to it. One of these teams <coughs> needs to run. And Virginia finally got out in transition and played some 
what I would consider pretty basketball. Spreading the floor out, attacking the rim, creating help. If, if you, nobody steps over, you're going to the rim. If they slide over, you've got shooters like surrounding you. Pretty basketball. And then Tech realized, oh, man, the game's picking up. So what do they do? They come right back as well. And we had a good flow. And I know, again, somebody on our uh, Facebook group said, um, hey, I'm not watching. Is it really this bad? Shared an article or something. I'm like, no, this is a really good game. It's a really fun game. Yeah. Um, you have two high-powered teams, and they both, what, 80 to 70-something was the final? 85-77? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Both these teams, I don't think either one scored that many points in a while. No, uh, Virginia, they doubled their points than what they did against, uh, what, Michigan? Yeah. I mean, they scored like 45 points or something something crazy. So they did. They, they flipped the script a little bit. They kind of, I bet you, they thought Texas Tech was going to come in there and try to swarm them and slow them down. The best way to beat a defense is keeping them from setting up and push them and getting them on their heels. You could see, I mean, like Josh said, it was pretty basketball. Drive cut, someone would come behind, fill in the lane, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome, get an easy layup, you know, back and forth like that. Texas Tech was having to earn their points. They were hitting contested threes. It just looked like for the majority of this game that Virginia was a half a step ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, uh, Texas Tech's defense, really good. We've known that coming into this game. In this game, their defense wasn't bad. They was playing really good uh, D. Just they was getting Virginia in, uh, like five-second shot clock violations and stuff like that. But Virginia would just hit shots. Sometimes they'll get to five seconds, Ty Drum just hit three. Well, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad you said Ty Drum because that was my next point. How good was he, especially in the first half, early second half, until Hunter really took over? Ty Drum would just – Dude, he would just hit shots. He would go one-on-one and just pull up and hit a little 15-footer or he'd bust a three. Ty Drum was really good in this game. I'm pretty sure he had, like, three floaters. Yeah. He, he was really good. Yeah. So, all said and done, congratulations <clears throat> to Virginia. Our first national champion – or their first national championship overall, Tony Bennett's first national championship, and the, our first champion since we've started this um, – started this company and group – um, so congratulations, and also congratulations to Texas Tech. Oh, yeah. Tremendous season. Um, you know, you battle, you share, you share the Big 12 with Kansas State. You have superstar in Jarrett Culver, and you've got a superstar and a coach. You know, he was my coach of the year. Hats off to Texas Tech, and hats off to that whole Sweet 16. The last two weeks of college basketball was phenomenal. From the Sweet 16 on, we had everything we could ever want wrapped up into one. And that was the beauty of the tournament. That's that's what we, that's what you want, guys. And I don't, I know we mentioned in the season or through the tournament, like we've got everything we wanted, and then it kept getting better. It kept getting better, and it kept getting better. You know, we had the the Duke almost getting beat by UCF, which everybody was going crazy about. You know, we had we had uh, what's his the boy uh, John Morant coming in oh, yeah. and having a hell of a first Jeez. game against Marcus Howard. Yeah. You know, I mean, these that was that was a heavyweight matchup. That was Ali and Frazier type, you know, big bangers. You know, we had everything we wanted. And then it came down to the defensive-minded teams. You know, everybody says, I don't watch the NBA because they don't play no defense. Well, you got it. Yep. <laughs> you got the two best from college basketball all year, undoubtedly in my mind. And we had, a, we had us a hell of a game, boys and girls. You know, they talk about – not getting shots up. It was Texas Tech shot 63 shots. Virginia got up 59 shots. Boys, they were they had some offense rolling too. Yeah. Um, so the tournament was fantastic this year. Um, some years, I mean, we love it, but sometimes it could be eh, on a little bit of the boring side. But it, we got to we got to treat this year. But let's go ahead and recap, um, encapsulate. And I'm sorry, I'd be remiss real quick if we didn't congratulate Baylor women's 
national champions knocking off uh, Notre Dame. Baylor under Kim Mulkey gets another national championship. Peyton called it. I know he did. Thank I know you. You're getting all perky up over there. I got bank on it right. So. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. Kim Mulkey's an absolute <clears throat> legend at Baylor and good yep. on Baylor's women's winning and national, another national title. If you guys didn't get an opportunity to watch this game, Baylor was up huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huge. And Notre Dame just fought and clawed and scratched their way back into this game and, and lost by, what, two points or yeah, something? They, it just, was, they just blew their, blew their load there. They, again. I mean, they, they, they came on too late. Yeah. It was it was a great performance, and if you can watch that game, I feel sorry for you. Go catch it one time on a recap. Yeah, so uh, congratulations, Virginia men, Baylor women. But let's um, kind of look back as a season as a whole. You know, this is our first year doing this, like, officially and in an official manner. And what, what a start to our brand, our, our company, and the season we had. It all started off for me um, – Early November, they started the season earlier this year for the first time ever. Early, yeah. like November 6th, starts up in Indianapolis, just up the road, Champions Classic. We get the high-powered Duke, high-powered Kentucky, meet, and things didn't go well for my boys to start the year out. <laughs> Duke absolutely throttled Kentucky and really oh set the tone for the rest of the year. They From day one, they put everybody on notice that <clears throat> we play our best, that we're not touched. And um, the bad thing about that, I think that's where they really peaked at, though, because they never really got back to that point. But to start the year off, they throttled Kentucky, 34.1, a 34-point ass-whooping. And not the way as a Kentucky fan you want to start, but if you're a Duke fan, you were ecstatic. The other game that kicked off the – that was actually before that that really kicked off the season – was your boys. Yep, Kansas um, and Michigan State. Kansas, Michigan State, and Kansas was up big. Did Quentin Grimes hit like five threes? Six that was, threes? That six was threes. a way – it was six threes. 24 yep. points. That's a way to come out and start your freshman season out, boys. And championships classic against Tom Izzo and Michigan State. Woo! And they were up. They were just cruising. And I think they fell asleep because Josh Langford and Michigan State damn near made a run out of uh, – they did make a run. They, they almost did. got all the way back and won the game. <clears throat> But down the stretch, it was just too much Kansas. And um, you, you could just tell as we move forward talking about all this, recapping, it was just – you look back and it was a tale of like two seasons because pre-injury Odoka Azubuki, Kansas, was a handful. Post-injury Odoka Azubuki, Kansas was just iffy. Mm, um, yeah. but They were they, still badass at home. Yeah. That, <laughs> Other than that. Yeah, yeah they still uh, – um, dope – Obviously played a big role in this game against Michigan State. So we had different tales up in Indy to start the year off with. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, kind of moving forward, some of the other big games, you go to Maui in the end of November or like around Thanksgiving time in November. You know, Auburn gives Duke a game in the semifinals. Duke pulls away. Then we get a championship game everybody wanted to see. You had Gonzaga against Duke. And Gonzaga was the only team at the time up until the tournament to beat Duke full strength. Yeah, Gonzaga healthy, ran yeah. Duke ragged in that championship game. Their offense, the way they pushed the basketball on them, Roy Hachimura was a matchup nightmare. And they put Duke down and kind of put a halt to the hype train just a little bit because there was talk, like, uh, especially after beating Kentucky the way they undefeated, this, that, and Gonzaga put a beat down on them in Maui. Wasn't Tennessee in this? No, turn- Tennessee was, no. was not in this, no. Yeah. I thought they were something else in the early part of the season. But uh, yeah. There was in the NIT tournament. They were in the NIT That's tournament. right. We'll we'll that's that. right. We'll that's, that. I, was, I was meshing it up. But Gonzaga, I mean, for – you know the small conference that they've been in, they've been they've been building and building and building, and, and the the payoff was huge. They beat one of the best teams ever created at the time. Yeah. Um, you remember anything about that Gonzaga game? The Gonzaga. Game? I just remember Roy Hachimura just putting it on 
Yeah, he was now. really the key for that game. He played well in that. I was actually a bit shocked on that. That was in Maui, so I was a bit shocked that Duke lost. Because after that, after that um, Duke and Kentucky game, I told Josh I was terrified. I don't want to play Duke. I was scared, like I'm sure a lot of people, team, a lot of teams were. But yeah, Gonzaga went in there, got it done, beat Duke. I, I mean, some people may call it upset. I don't know. I don't think it's an upset. It was just, um, it was just a wake up call that it's so <clears> hard to win. Especially when you have two even match teams, it's hard. And Gonzaga kind of, you know, they just outran Duke from end to end. You look, you go back and watch how many easy buckets that a guy like Roy Hachimura or um, Philip Petrolev or any of those big dudes from uh, Gonzaga. And Gonzaga, of course, didn't have Killian Tilly either. Oh yeah, that's and right. they yeah. were just running the floor, and it just kind of laid a foundation for teams like North Carolina later on in the year. Well, Stay on Gonzaga early in the year, and they went to number one after this. Or what? The Kansas went. Kansas got Kansas, leapfrogged. Can, oh, yes. Gonzaga oh, leapfrogged yeah. and went and won. That's right. <clears throat> and um, I forgot all about that. Yeah. But then Gonzaga, no, some of their Bullshit. other games, post-Mallet, <laughs> post they struggled with Washington. I was remember that game. They won. It was like 102-100. Roy Hachimura saved them at the end. Washington zone ate them up. Gonzaga survives. Gonzaga goes and plays North Carolina. North Carolina smacks Gonzaga around for the first loss. Gonzaga turns down and has to play Tennessee. Tennessee beats them up. Yeah. So Gonzaga <laughs> goes from this high in that first month of the year. They go from winning Maui and beating Duke, beating Washington, then turn around and lose two to North Carolina and Tennessee. But then they don't lose again for a while. That's yeah. just part of it. They, well, this is, this is what Gonzaga's wanted for years. Yeah. For years. They wanted, the, they wanted the big guy. You want us to come to you, we'll do it. Everybody said no. Everybody said no. So they get in the Maui Invitational, get a chance to take on Duke. Tennessee says, yeah. They get beat. North Carolina says, yeah, and they get beat. But Gonzaga is starting to get this program into, like, a power five type team year in and year out. And it's, it's cool to see someone outside of, you know, the Big 12 or Big 10 or anybody like that. That's, that's really a year in, year out perennial top 15 team. I'm a firm believer, especially this year, how bad the Pac-12 was. Mm-hmm. If you had stuck Gonzaga in the Pac-12 out in the West Coast, they had to win the conference by three games. Every bit of it. They had to win it by three games this year. Real quick on that Tennessee-Gonzaga uh, um, game. Do you guys remember how good, how good Schofield was in that game? He had 30 remember, points. Yeah, I remember him Six from 10 from three. Up. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember him eating him up from three. Jeez, he played a hell of a game. Like, I don't remember that game. That shows how good two Tennessee was all year. Yeah. Tennessee was – this is maybe the best team they've ever had. Yeah, oh, yeah. Arguably. Oh, yeah. Arguably. I mean, they've had some good ones over the years. but um, And then we move on. Um, you know, we go to – speaking of Tennessee and Kansas, go on to the preseason NIT tournament or the early season NIT tournament, however they call it now. It used to be preseason, but um, you had Marquette and Tennessee. You had Kansas – or, sorry, you had Tennessee, Louisville, Kansas, and Marquette proven before the top five – or top 15 teams in America. Kansas was able to give it to Marquette a little bit, and Tennessee squeaked by Louisville. Yeah. Squeaked by Louisville. Mm-hmm. I remember the game. Louisville hung in there, and I was very proud of them. So I didn't know what was going, how they were going to do against a Tennessee team that was deep and who's very talented. And they hung in there, and Bailey got beat. They got beat like 81 to 75 or something like that. So it was a good game. Yeah, and Jordan Wara and Dwayne Sutton, that was really their kind of coming out party. Nora had well. a hell of a game, yeah. So we move on to the championship of the NIT preseason, <coughs> and we get Kansas and Tennessee. And I remember that game. That was a battle. I loved it. That was such a battle on the boards. And, again, this was Kansas with Adoka Azubuke. It moved Lawson to the floor where he belongs. 
and they were able to battle Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and guys. Kansas, another one. They squeaked one out because Tennessee had them down under two minutes ago, if my memory serves me correctly. Had yes, them down. Yes, yep. yes. Kansas went on a little run to end the game and was able to pull out the preseason NIT tournament in Madison Square Garden. And overtime. Yeah, yep. oh, that's right, and overtime. Yeah. This game had everything I wanted as fans. You know, the back and forth punching, you know, as a bouquet ripping the rim off and Schofield and these guys that are smaller than him but still banging with him. These freshmen coming in and proving they can play. It was just – it was a great start to the season for me and my Jayhawks. You had the consolation game in the preseason 19 tournament. You got Marquette and Louisville. And it was another one where Louisville gets a challenge early and Marquette was able to yeah. really fend them off. Yeah, 77-74 is final score. It was a little bit of controversial, no or controversial call because I remember that game. I didn't get to watch it, but I remember what the controversy that happened in it. But Marcus Howard, that's when you knew he was a great player. Yep. He had like 30-some points. He played a hell of a game. It's whatever. Yeah. It was a good game. Well, that didn't end. Louisville. Um, <clears throat> okay, well, Marquette. Marquette earlier in the year. They uh, they went and played Indiana. This is Indiana's first, cha- uh, first challenge of the season with this new hype around them, new excitement around the program, Romeo Langford. Yes, oh, yeah, and Langford. And this is when IU was really clicking, and they put a beat down on Marquette in the side assembly hall. And it really opened all of our eyes because you're like, man, Marquette's not bad. They're not bad. In the end, it just steamrolled them. Mm-hmm. I mean, Romeo and company, Rob Fennessy. So they steamrolled Marquette. Indiana also goes into um, the Crossroads Classic to play Butler and squeaks <laughs> by a Rob Fennessy three-point. Game winning. I mean, at one point, Indiana's sitting 11-2, and two, and we're like, man. And you, they beat Louisville. Yep. Louisville. Close I mean, one in assembly. Beat mm-hmm. them in the side assembly hall. Um, Indiana was rolling, and it, we all at the time, Indiana fans alike, us, whatever, we're all taking notice. We're like, man, this might be the Indiana. Uh, they might be the real deal this year. It, it really opened the eyes, and, and you could see you could see the uh, fans in our group, the IU fans, really really come out. And, you know, we do these threads, and sometimes they're not super hyped, but we had some for IU, and, and they were they were on. You know, it just it, eleven and two, like you mentioned, a start. That's a hot start for Indiana here lately, and it was it was just showing that Archie's got some things going on. I mean, I know it kind of fell apart later on, but IU they're coming back. Yeah, and the IU Louisville game. I remember watching that because that was right after the Kentucky Seton Hall game, which I'll get into. Um, that you know battle back and forth. Literally there, <clears throat> I felt like thirty five minutes of that of the forty minute game. It was Indiana would take a lead, Louisville would take a lead. Indiana would take a lead, Louisville, and back and forth and back until very at the end, Louisville stopped hitting shots. You took that bad shot with, um, oh, was well, it Sutton? F- Sutton took the bad shot because they didn't need the three, and he took yeah, that bad before, one. Yeah, before that, McMahon had, a t- had the ball on the top of the key, and he threw a bad pass to ignore or something, and Romeo picked it off and went and got a layup. Shane McMahon? <laughs> 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 no, but I mean, that was a great win for Indiana. And I mentioned yeah. the Kentucky Seton Hall game before that. Um, Wild. Inside of Ma- – was it Madison Square Garden, I think? It was. Yeah, Madison Square Garden. It was Garden. in New York, yeah. Seton Hall, that's where uh, <clears throat> Miles Powell really, really broke out as a superstar player. Went for 34 on the Cats. And um, him and his – I forget what teammate it was, also hit a bunch of threes. And Kentucky still at the end had a chance. Kelvin Johnson hits a half-court heave. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he just hits a one from half-court and sends Gus Johnson in a frenzy. We go to overtime and <clears throat> goes back and forth. Seton Hall hits a three late, wins the game. So, at that time, Kentucky's got two losses, and they played two marquee games, 0-2 and those. So, I'm like, ugh, oh, man. 
um, kind of iffy, uh, especially Louisville had just beaten Seton Hall. Yeah, so well, a week so before that. Yeah. And Miles Powell went off on them too. Thirty some points too. Yeah. So we had superstars <clears throat> on the on the Kansas end of the spectrum. Um, Kansas, you know, undefeated, rolling until they go into Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Arizona State kind of gave them the business at Arizona State. Hit a bunch of threes. Uh, kind of foreshadowed a little bit of Kansas's issues of defending the three, but that was Kansas's first loss, first major loss. And the the size of Arizona State, I underestimated. I mean, their guards were filled out young men. They weren't these string bing freshmen that you get. Arizona State, you know, I, I was looking at the predictions of this, and ESPN had these guys beating Kansas. I'm like, ain't no way. It's Arizona State. They suck. But <laughs> they, they, I mean, year in and year out, you don't see really much about them. I mean, other than fear of the beard back in the day. Yeah, Zylan Cheatham, yeah. too, is yeah. an athletic wing-guard combo that is his jump shot was falling that night. Normally it's not that great, but it was falling that night. And he opened I, my he, eyes. He, he went for a double-double. I think he damn near went for a triple-double. <clears throat> Pretty close. Just an athletic kid that gave him all sorts of fits. Yep, you know, you, you play up to teams that have that Jayhawk on, on your chest, and you, you just – it's they just did everything they needed to do to beat them, and it kind of like it has a snowball effect after that. So um, we move on. I mean, back half of December, that's when really conference play starts to begin. Um, anything else in the non-conference I'm forgetting? <clears throat> like any other key matchups I'm really forgetting? Will quick. This is probably the highlight of the season. Louisville defeating Michigan State. Oh yes, home. Yep. in the Big it Ten ACC Challenge. Big Ten yep. ACC Challenge. Highlight of your season. Yeah, yeah my <laughs> I thought you said the season. Oh, <laughs> no, it's a highlight of my season because do not like Michigan State and Louisville beat them in overtime, eighty-two seventy-eight. And they had Josh Langford. That was one of the last games he Josh played. Josh Langford, one of the last games he played. Cassius Winston fouled out from Michigan State, but the unsung hero in that game was Ryan McMahon. He came off the bench because he was starting, but he wasn't playing well. So Mac pit him on the bench, and he had twenty-four points, a career high. He hit like. I think, yeah, it was six threes. All threes. He like six with ten from three-point line. He played awesome. I remember that game. Such a great moment when we beat Michigan State because we was 0-2 against big opponents too. Lost to Tennessee, lost to Marquette, and it was nice to get this win. Also in that Big Ten ACC Challenge, and that you jog my memory, and that's Duke <clears throat> whooped up on Indiana at home. Yep. Like, no, I mean – you know, Indiana did what they could. They just didn't have size matches. Zion, that's when he was starting to eat, really eat people Lord, up. no. Um, him and RJ was going for 30, and they just ate him up like they ate us up. You also in that Big Ten ACC challenge is where we got Michigan whooping up on North Carolina. That's oh where that's where Lord. Michigan set the tone for everyone because they had just <laughs> whooped up on Villanova themselves. And then they turn around and just stifled North Carolina. North Carolina could not get any offense going. They couldn't get their fast break going. Roy was so mad that, like, he's, it's not uncommon, but he subbed all five guys out, set them down. He's like, if we're going to get beat, you're going to sit there and we'll get, get some people that want to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Michigan whooped all of them. I mean, they hit everything and then locked them down defensively. So Michigan played by on notice. And also early in the season, too, we forget to mention. How about this is where like I started taking notice of the SoCon. How about Furman oh, yep. over um, Vill- was it Villanova that they beat? I, I think it was Furman think over so. Villanova. And oh man, I'll have to look it up. But that's where like my the SoCon because we had some of these crazier upsets. And I know. Yeah, it was Furman over Villanova. Furman over Villanova. I thought who I thought. And, like, UNC Greensboro gave Kentucky a game. Uh, Francis Alonzo was unbelievable in that game. 
Um, Wofford, Wofford was real good. So we started to really take notice of the SOCON at that time. But we get into middle December, end of December, a lot of good games. Um, I was able to go see Kentucky play Utah. I was able to see Kentucky play Tennessee State. They beat up Tennessee State. But really, I got to see them play Utah and their first big game again, if you call that, since the Seton Hall game. Cats rolled. Jamal Baker hit a couple shots. Um, this is after Quad A. Quad A left earlier yeah, that week, I'm and this is their first game after, and they look like a completely different team. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say Quad A was a cancer, but Kentucky turned the corner after he left because it allowed Ashton Hagens to start and it allowed Manuel quickly to get minutes. Cut the log jam out. But I was able to be there in person. They whooped up on Utah and looked like a completely different team. Um, Reed Travis played well. And then, <clears throat> and then, I got to go to another game to put my undefeated Kentucky streak on the line. We were blessed enough, and this shout-out to our parents for the um, Christmas gift. I don't normally don't like that because I'm a grown man, but this one I couldn't turn down. Got us the tickets. I would have took it if he didn't want it. (laughs) (laughs) He's obviously a little fan. I'm a Kentucky fan. So what better gift than to send us down to Louisville to watch and cover the game? You can go back to the podcast for our Road Diaries. I think it's like episode five or something. Yeah. It's Road Diaries 2. I think fourth, yeah. I think I it's road. It's called Road Diaries Part Two. Me and Peyton cover our, our adventures on the way back and down there. But we were able to be there. Uh, just him and his uh, down there in the Yum Center. My first trip there, and first time I'd ever got to see the Cats play um, on the road. And Louisville's playing well. Kentucky's playing well because Kentucky had just, just smashed North Carolina as well the week before. Mm-hmm. So they're playing well, and the atmosphere was. Electric. I cannot. I'm getting goosebumps kind of to even just think about it. Like the pregame at 90 minutes before tip off. Like we're walking around, we're taking videos for the group and talking to people. And it's just so cool, man. They finally open them doors. You see all sorts of blue. You see all sorts of red. And just knowing you're at like the second biggest rivalry behind Duke Carolina in college basketball. <clears throat> and like there's just so much anxiety and tension and hatred and love and whatever else wrapped into one and we're sitting there in our seats and just like man pre-game's coming on and you're like ah this is awesome this is really cool and Kentucky found a way to win uh you know Louisville started off hot and every time Louisville would hit a shot that place would come (coughs) unglued but PJ that's when PJ really started to shine PJ played well Tyler Hero killed Louisville. Yep. Tyler Hero was unbelievable. I need a hero. Yeah, that's, just, that's when Hero started getting the reputation, too, of <laughs> road being a, a road warrior, yeah. like a, a big game killer. And Kentucky was able to get the win and pull away. Um, the final <clears> score <throat> wasn't really indicative of the game because they're the last five, seven minutes, Kentucky pulled away. But what a game. What a fun, fun atmosphere, man. My first college game ever. My first time being in Yum Center, and it was Louisville versus Kentucky, an historic rivalry, second best rivalry behind Carolina and Duke, like you said. And man, you mentioned it. What an atmosphere! I remember walking into the building, and I can just feel the presence of all the Louisville fans, seeing all the Louisville red, and seeing all the Kentucky blue because they, you know, they travel well. It's only seventy-five miles apart, and seeing that floor for the first time when I walked in, my my jaw just dropped because. It was incredible. Uh, yeah, shout out to our parents for buying us tickets. I never thought in a million years I'd be able to go to that game. And what a game. Just game I don't 71-55, that was the final score. But the atmosphere and just being in that place, it was so fun to watch that game. And I did come out disappointed, 
But looking back on it now, what an experience. And shout out on my end, too, to the Louisville fans. I've said it before, but they treated me with the respect. I was kind of apprehensive because, I, you know, these games you hear horror stories sometimes. Oh, yeah. And I was treated with <laughs> utmost respect. We had Louisville people around us. They kind of joked with me about my <laughs> Kentucky stuff. But they were, they were very respectful. They yep. were fun. They were friendly. And um, I gave it back to him. I mean, we, we talked a little trash, but it was all in good spirit. It was all friendly. Now, some people, we did see it around us and other sections around us. There was some Kentucky fans and Louisville fans jarring back and forth. But, you know, my my hat's off to um, to the Louisville fans down there that day. They they treated me and anybody else I've seen with blue, for the most part, with class. So what a fun experience <clears throat> that was. And that wasn't, you know, we'll jump ahead, but that wasn't the only uh, – Kentucky big game experience one of us got to see. Yeah, I got the opportunity to go and, and watch this Kansas versus Kentucky game. But <clears throat> I mentioned it before about wanting to go to a big game this year. And, you know, we ended up, me and my wife ended up getting pregnant. So it kind of put a damper on my uh, Kansas versus Michigan State game I was wanting to hit. But lo and behold, I found some tickets online like the Monday before the game. I didn't know how I found them, but I was at the very tip top of the. Uh, of the oh, Rupp Arena. I was about to say Yum Center again. <laughs> but but Rupp Arena, and it, it still wasn't a bad view. Speaking of uh, the Yum Center, I've been there before a couple of years ago for Sweet 16. And as far as the layout of a, a gym, it was such a smooth place to walk through. Easiest way to get through in downtown and everything. It's, it's just a nice area. But back to the uh, back to Rupp and Kansas. You know, Kansas came out hot in this game. Everybody's bumping around. You know, the intro to this game was awesome. The big screen was going. Big Blue was screaming. Me and this one little Kansas fan that was up in my <laughs> up in my corner of the nosebleeds. There was a lot of Kansas there, but we were outnumbered 50 to 1 in our little spot. I didn't even know she was there until Kansas hit a big shot, and I jumped up and just went, yeah. Everybody was behind me. They was all quiet, and I'd see this lady just look up over me. And I see her little Jayhawk, and she just gives me a high five, and it was over. <laughs> we, were, we were best friends until the final buzzer. But, no, it's just – like you said, you know, as far as the friendly atmosphere, I had ushers messing with me and, you know, messing around. I had people that I never <clears throat> even thought I'd talk to in my life come up and give me high fives that were Jayhawks fans. The Kentucky fans were nice to me. Like I, like I said on the podcast during – or right after this, we are at the very top. The two people next to us were season ticket holders for the past, like, 30 years. The two gentlemen to my side, season ticket holders – you know, and then there was sprinkled throughout the nosebleeds up there. It, it wasn't a bad view, but we were at the very top. My back was against the top of the wall. We had season ticket holders everywhere, and that just shows, you know, you say they travel well, they view well. I mean, everybody, Tim Foster, member of the group, was there, and I saw him. Boy, he had the whitest white polo. <laughs> it, it, it looked like, like an aura was coming off of him coming up that escalator. And I, saw, I said, that's Tim Foster. My wife goes, <laughs> she's sitting there pregnant on the floor, passing out from Hopcat's fries. But uh, I seen him come up, and we were shooting the shit a little bit and got to talk a little banter a little bit. But uh, all in all, Kentucky comes out to the end of this game and well back and forth. But at the end, they pull away, you know, hitting some big shots. And then Kansas trying to foul to get back into it. They pull away and, and get the W against, a, against a, another Blue Blood. Yeah, P.J. was awesome that game. Yes, he was, uh, and, he, and Reed was a man. Yeah, they oh, they yeah. were the difference in that game. But that's just cool, too, that we were able to all go see our teams collectively this year, so that's that's very cool. At very, very high-level uh, games, too. Oh, God, yes. Oh, you're, not, yeah. you're not sitting there playing uh, <clears throat> Valpo or something. Yeah. No. Yeah, so that, that's cool. Um, you know, just – and we all know how our season's in. Kentucky makes the lead eight. 
against a red hot Auburn team. Um, you know, we're we're we've, Eagle. Already, we've already gave our our recaps of the seasons for our team, so we're not going to get into that. But um, favorite, well, let's go ahead and talk about this. Oh, well, first of all, Kentucky obviously ends the lead eight. Louisville first round, first round, second Kansas, round bounce. Second round. Um, none of us make the final four like we hope. Well, it's okay. Um, but moving on, you know, our favorite moments from this year. Let's do a favorite moment just as a year as a whole that doesn't include our team. And let's do a favorite oh. moment or two that includes our team from this year. You guys good? Got it. Yeah. Favorite, favorite moment for me, and I'll start with the Kentucky one. Man, that's interesting. Because um, there's been a few. Obviously, I just mentioned the Louisville game. You talked about the Kansas game. Um, I, I what stands up to me right away when I think about it is Ashton Hagen's game against North Carolina when he goes for like seven steals instantly because that was our first like real real big game that got us going. Um, but other than that, favorite moment that stands out, I'm gonna say when we beat up on Tennessee. I mean that was a fantastic challenge. Kentucky's role in Tennessee is obviously really really good. Has not lost in the conference at the time. And Kentucky steamrolled them by 20, put a beat down on Reed Travis, ate them up. P.J. Washington was unguardable. <clears throat> Kelvin Johnson was for like 18 or 20. So, to me, that was probably my favorite moment of all of them. This whole season, just thinking about as far as Kentucky goes, it, the Ashton Higgins game against um, North Carolina, us beating up on Tennessee, and then really anytime time Re- Tyler Hero would catch on fire. Maybe – oh. The Tyler Hero shot he hit against Houston, the Sweet 16, oh. stands out. I, I love that kid, man. I pray he comes back. I love that kid. It's tough. You want to go? My, my favorite moment that I'll, I'll say Kansas was a part of, but, you know, with their road troubles and stuff, I really don't have – it's just a tough year. <laughs> yeah. But my favorite moment that Kansas was a part of, who had nothing to do with basketball, it was the national anthem at this Kentucky game. Uh, yeah. Like I said before, I'll say it again for the new people that hasn't heard it. The gentleman comes out, starts singing the national anthem. Then he walks away and starts fading back, and he starts orchestrating. The entirety of Rupp Arena starts singing this national anthem. I don't care, black, white, Asian, whatever, Kansas, Kentucky. You got a little fan sneaking in somewhere. That doesn't matter. Everybody was one cohesive unit singing this. I, I got nervous. I got the goosebumps here. Whenever I mean, we got it now because it was just it was such an empowering moment to to be in. It's it's something that that didn't air on TV, but it's, it got on YouTube. If you got a chance, look it up because it was it doesn't do it justice on YouTube. But just just watching this was just something special. It was a very moving moment for me, you know, just just to see that, you know, because you get on Facebook and you see all this political mumbo jumbo back and forth. If you're one of them guys, shut your pie hole. I'm tired of that shit. <laughs> but we, uh, it was just a, a powerful movement for me. And as far as other than, uh, other than Kansas, you guys know who I'm going to say Mike Dom, <laughs> Jackrabbit, Mike Dom, one of the highest scoring players in NCAA history of all time now, top 10. Mike Dom, he brought me to light, you know, just this goofy guy. I even tweeted him after they did the, uh, Bug on the windshield dunk that he was a part of, and he gave us a lo- he gave us some love back. Mike Dom, you're the man. And as far as a game, the UTSA comeback, mm. they were down 30. They end up coming back. They get it within 17 with like two minutes and 45 seconds to go. 
17 points in that amount of time and win the game. Wow. Um, I forgot to mention my, my uh, moments that didn't include UK. I'm going to go Carson Edwards' performance at Purdue, mm. Virginia game, or Purdue and uh, yeah, Purdue, Virginia game, Tennessee. Oh my lord, how fun was that? Um, that that'll be ingrained in my brain for for a while. You trying to you trying to get over on Applied Right Paying Services JRO right now? Oh no no no. <laughs> okay I, I, okay. I'm just saying that was that was such a fun moment though. You know. Oh, yeah. it was wonderful. And, and then wonderful. I, I know. Just as far as moments go, how could you not say? Duke and Louisville. Louisville's up twenty three, and Duke comes back. I mean, how can you not sit there and watch that and be like, "Oh my god!" It really oh put my god. Louisville in a tailspin after that. Yeah, I mean, sorry, not it, sorry. It, it, it don't have to be your favorite moment, but I'm just saying it was a moment. It's <clears throat> been great. And then you mentioned Mike Dom, Chris Clemens. Oh yeah, oh, I, I was trying to lead Clemens. you into it. I was yeah, trying to Cr- poke you. Chris Clemens followed us on Twitter, or still follows us on Twitter. You know, shout him out, very first shout out, very first episode, and he did not disappoint us. So, you know, of course, Chris Clemens was a, a favorite. Anything he did, 35, 40 point games, doesn't matter. How about John Morant, too? Another one. I'm kind of rambling, but John Morant's tournament game, triple double, 12 in the freaking tournament. Trip dub. Crazy. As far as favorite moment for Louisville for this season, I said the Michigan State game was a highlight of the season. Uh, but the favorite of highlight of my season, but the, my favorite moment of this season was having to go to Chapel Hill and defeat North Carolina by 21 points. After we haven't been really playing well the past couple of games before that, we went to Chapel Hill and pit, uh, beat down UNC. Largest home loss they've had under Roy Williams. Yeah, crazy. Did not expect that. So that was probably my favorite moment with Phil Louisville. And a very as, surprising game as well. Oh, yeah. Dude, yeah, very surprising. And as far as um, non my non favorite Louisville moment, man, it's t- probably Auburn's run to the tournament. Yeah. Auburn's run to the Final Four and nearly defeating Virginia to get to their national championship game. Only point six seconds away from doing so. Just watching them, how they battled back after Okiki got injured was phenomenal to watch, and I'm a big fan of Bruce Pearl. So that's probably my Tough. favorite moment of the season. There's so many that stand out, and some of them we just forget that we – I know that we'll look back and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe. But just it's a long season, lots of stuff. I mean, you think about iconic moments. How about, you know, he might have been overblown, but how about Zion jumping from underneath the rim, essentially, and blocking the blocking whoever DeAndre Hunter from Virginia? I mean, that, that moment will be etched in time forever. The shoe. The, the shoe blowout, exactly. Shoe gate, like just yeah. as far as moments, the, the shoe gate. Nike about went bankrupt over that. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's so many, man. So many. Have, I you sweeping Michigan State? Yeah, that's after that after crazy. losing like nine games in a row, coming yeah. to beat Michigan State. Just, just absolute nuts. Just nutty, nutty performances. Marquette pissing away at the very end of the season, the the Big East title, allowing Villanova to win. They had them dead to rights and pissed it away. Just so many. It's a fun season, long season. Um, wrapping up the season talk, what's some things, one or two things that you guys, that you feel like we've learned about this season that we can maybe take forward into the future? What, what's some things that you've kind of learned that maybe the season's taught us? I need to uh, brush up on how I pronunciate or I try to it. read names. I knew it. It's terrible. Jesus Christ, you got more than two syllables in your name. I'm sorry, I can't get it out. Peyton. <laughs> I knew where he was going with that as soon as he said it. Uh, um, 
what I've learned over this season that really defenses really matter. It really does matter. Um, I'm a defensive guy. What? You, you talk mine, but it's okay. Hey, you start talking about John Moran. It's okay. <laughs> defense really does matter in games like that. Offense wins games. Defense wins championships. And I'm a defensive player. I pride myself on defense. So if you have a good defensive team and you can score a little bit, that will really help you go a long way. Yeah, I think I said he tucked mine, but it's right. I think it goes to show that defense rules. Um, we've mentioned it. We've always been taught that defense carries. You can have bad shooting nights, but your defense will always travel with you. And the national championship <clears throat> game was, you know, the prime example. We have yeah. two great defensive teams. And so defense, I think this taught us this year, you don't always have to have a high-powered offense to win. You just need an efficient offense with a great defense. And um, I, I think it goes to say, too, that, uh, you know, we all love – I'm not a, I'm not one of these people that's against young players, like one and done. I actually think it's good for the game to at least get to see them. But it does say to win a title, you look at Villanova last year, you look at North Carolina the year before. And and you go Villanova back, again. <laughs> really until from Duke since they won it in 2015. You, two Villanovas, North Carolina, and now Virginia. You need upperclassmen. Um, it, it's super hard to win with just a lot of young kids. You need upperclassmen. And so I think that's the two things I'll take away from this year is you need the upperclassmen and more so now than ever, and you, your defense can win a title. Like you, oh yeah, your defense can, and it's been proven that half court defense can and will win you a championship. So you mentioned on defense, Kansas State in the conference number one almost in every aspect of defense. Offense dead last in almost everything, and they still come away with a a share of the Big Twelve championship with Texas Tech. There, there's another a huge thing that stuck out for me that. You bring up defense, it just hit me in the mind. Just, you can still do it without being a great offensive team. You just got to be efficient, like Josh said. Well, I think, too, just breaking that down, going a little further into the defense because it just came to my mind, uh, you need to have great three-point percentage defense because now the game has moved so much to three-point shooting teams mm -hmm. or players. Like Virginia was number one all year in three-point percentage. Texas Tech was top five. Um, you, you look at all these teams. Um, Michigan was up Michigan there. Michigan State was up there in top three-point percentage defenses. More so than just, like, <clears throat> limit people's points per game and turnovers. Yep. Defend the three really well, it carries you a long way. Um, but with that said, what a great year. I mean, seriously, what a great year for us. Year number one um, of millions to come, hopefully hundreds to come, whatever. Yep. Um, before we transition, we do have – uh, on the other side of this break, we do have our early, way too early top 25 poll that we have uh, or come together and put together. Yep. And we'll, we'll reveal that on the other side of the break. But, Tyler, first, before we head there, who do we need to thank? Well, you need to keep kissing ass with that Carson Edwards thing. No, I'm just kidding. But JRO and Applied Right Painting Services, you know, he does everything, commercial, residential. He's been working on a huge project down in Kentucky. But uh, he's, he's got work that he needs to keep getting. He keeps rolling with it. So uh, if you need him, I put it in the announcements of how to get in uh, contact with him. His name's Larry Rowe on the card. He has his partner's number on there as well. You know, if you or anybody you know hates painting, needs it done, get a hold of these guys. They do it right. I've always said here the past couple weeks I'm very critical on stuff like that because I like to do it too. Everything I've seen JR put up on his pages with his before and afters is spot on. 
He is, he's no hack. He does everything, you know, precise. He's, he cuts the lines. If you know what I'm talking about with painting, he cuts lines, does everything with precision. So if you need anything that, as far as painting or any kind of painting services, get hold of JRO and let them know the ECB sent you because we get a 5% kickback on that. So not only are you helping a local company, you know, put food on the table for his kids and for himself, you're helping us, you know, put back into this group and this company that we're building as well. So go ahead and support your small business and get out there to JRO and Applied Right Painting Services. Couldn't say it better myself. Um, <laughs> with that being said, we will take a pause for the cause, and on the other side, we will reveal our way too early top 25 poll for next season. We will be revealing the big reveal for a way too early top 25 preseason poll. Now, keep in mind, the rules when we were coming together with this, um, if you look on ESPN, CBS, as they all have their <coughs> way too early, they're going ahead and assuming certain things when they come out with theirs. We are doing it different. When we come up with ours, we are doing it point blank as is, meaning if you've declared for the draft already, we assume you're gone. There's a no agent or not. Yes, there's no, um, there's no predicting. Oh, this guy will come back. He's just testing the waters, or he's gone. We just point blank, you know, black and white. If you've declared, we consider you gone. If you haven't declared, we consider you back. So, in like the case of say Zion Williamson, he hasn't declared technically, so we consider nope. him back. So this is where this will <clears throat> differentiate. So the way too early top 25 is going to look completely different when we do our official preseason poll beginning of October, end of September area, right? Because then by then we'll have a much more clear picture of what teams will look like and this, that, and the other. So I've just, as, since I've laid the ground rules down, don't tweet us, don't get on Facebook, be like, how could you blah, blah, blah. I'm letting you know now that if they've declared, we consider them gone. 
if they haven't declared, in like such Zion's case, we're considering them back. This is the way too early top 25. Don't take it too personal. I think that's pretty much <laughs> yeah. the easiest way to do it, right? Yep. Okay. So before we get to the actual top 25, we came up with a list. We all took turns with different conferences and broke them down, conglomerated together. So before we get to top 25, we have a list of teams, what you consider outside looking in or receiving votes. Yeah. First team on the outside looking in would be the Georgetown Hoyas. Georgetown, um, let me look at my notes here. Mac McClung. Yeah, yep. Georgetown's bringing back guys like Mac McClung, James Akinjo, Javon Blair, Josh LeBlanc. Newcomers coming in, which would be newcomers, obviously, um, either grad transfers or um, recruits. recruits. Newcomers coming in for the Hoyas <laughs> and Patrick Ewing, Quidas Wahab, a four-star center, and Malcolm Wilson, a three-star center. Georgetown got looks for us, but wasn't quite good enough to make our early top 25 just yet. Um, also on the outside looking in. We had the Cincinnati Bearcats, guys. Uh, they had a pretty decent season last year. We're pulling it up here. They got returners of uh, Jaron Cumberland, Keith Williams, Trace Scott, bringing everyone back besides two seniors. They got a newcomer in, uh, Shamari Curris. He's a three-star recruit. Pretty close, but not close enough. And this is a team that went 28-7 and seven this past year, uh, exited in the first round. So they're definitely on the outside looking in, um, in contention. Could be interesting. Going to have a new coach this year, so we'll see how that plays in. Um, also <laughs> on the outside looking in, Peyton. We – We've got the what is it? Oh, sorry, Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia, <laughs> Georgia, eleven and twenty-one this past year. Not the greatest first year for Tom Crean, but uh, returnees Nicholas Claxton, Tyree Crump, Ty Fagan, um, a lot of a lot of returning guys, including newcomers. Uh, five-star Anthony Edwards, projected number one pick in twenty twenty draft right now. Four-star Christian Brown, four-star Jaquan Walton, four-star Tamani Kamara. Georgia is definitely poised to turn it around under Tom Crean this next season. That but Ed- wasn't quite good enough to make our top 25 just yet. That Edwards kid, he's going to be special. Shooting guard, absolutely He's going to be He's going to be a good player next year. Yeah. Watch out for him. Um, another team outside looking at another SEC team, Florida Gators, Florida. Chomp, chomp. You know, Florida would have been inside the top 15 had – Nimhard not declared for the draft. Yep. Now, yep. It, it, projecting if he comes back, <laughs> I will predict. I'll predict that Florida will be in our top twenty-five of the official preseason poll. But for now, they're on the outside looking in. They went twenty sixteen this year. Went second round. Really caught fire late in the year. Um, bringing back a couple guys, Isaiah Soaks, really good piece for them. Keontae Johnson, newcomers, five star Scotty Lewis, four star Trey Mann, four star Omar Payne, four star Jason Jatobo. Florida's poised to have a really good year this upcoming year. Um, next on the outside looking in, Baylor. The, the Baylor Bears from the Big 12. Uh, they haven't really brought anything in, but what they do have coming back here, well, let me lose it. Uh, Tristan Clark, you know, the big man, he came back from that knee injury. You know, he was, he's a pivotal piece for this team. When he went down, the team went down. They're returning a lot of players, especially with this guy coming in. They're going to make some noise in the Big 12 next year, so keep a lookout. But they're not quite in our top 25 just yet. And lastly, Peyton, um, the last team just kind of on the outside looking in as of right now um, on the outside of the top 25. We got the Tennessee Volunteers. Tennessee last year ended up losing oh, – going out in the – Sweet 16. Sweet 16, sorry. Sweet 16, and obviously they're losing out on Schofield, Grant Williams. 
but they're bringing back uh, Jordan Bonin, John uh, Fulkerson, Eves Ponds, Eves Ponds, uh, Turner, Derek Walker, and they got some newcomers coming in. Isaiah Jones, who's a five star. Josiah Jones, Josiah James. Josiah James, my bad. Josiah James, who's a five star. Drew Pimber? Yeah. Four star. And Devontae Gaines, who's a three star. So they got some recruits coming in next year, and it'll be interesting to see how they do. Just missed out on the top 25, though. They really need Jordan Bone to come back. If Jordan Bone comes back, Tennessee, I'll like, um, like Florida. Will be right there in their top twenty range. Jordan Bone changes that dynamic, but right now they're not. So who do we have in our top twenty-five? Or way too early top twenty-five <laughs> poll. Start down in the Big Ten. We go to the Ohio State <clears throat> Buckeyes. Ohio State went twenty and fifteen last year. And they got some notable players you're expected to return. Caleb Wesson, who's their leading scorer from last year. Andre Wesson, I guess they're related. Uh, Luther brothers. But good brothers? Yeah, yeah brother. good brothers. Luther Muhammad, uh, Dwayne Washington, Kyle Young, Justin Ahims, or Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Musa Jallo and Jaden Ledee. And they got some expected additions coming in. They got four-star DJ Carton, four-star Alonzo Gaffney, four-star EJ Liddell, and I think three-star CJ Walker. So they got some people who's coming in next year. Buckeyes are poised to have a a good run coming up this next year. Yep. It'd be really surprising if they're not in top 25 pretty much all year. Mm -hmm. Um, So 24th, um, this was – and we will be speaking on the teams that we kind of um, did – and then the neutral ones we'll talk on. So 24 um, out of the SEC, Alabama. And I know if you're going to look, Alabama 18-16 this past year. They got a new coach. Avery Johnson's no longer there, but they do have Nate Oaks that came from Buffalo. Alabama may be bringing back, as far as pure like returners, top five in the nation as far as pure returners. I mean, they're bringing back Tevin Mack. Kyra Lewis Jr., the 17-0 point guard from last year. John Petty, former five-star shooting guard. Daniel Giddens, Dazon Ingram, Herbert Jones, Galen Smith. That's seven people that had major roles for Alabama this past year. And along with that, newcomers. Four-star Juwan Gary, four-star Jalen Forbes, four-star <coughs> Jaden Shackelford, three-star Raymond Hawkins. Alabama is loaded to bear next year. And if, big if, they were to get five-star Trenton Wofford to stay in state and play for Alabama – Alabama is a team that could be creeping around the top ten. I'm telling you, the Crimson Tide next year are going to contend for the SEC championship, and they will contend. As of right now, they can make a Sweet 16. That They were loaded to bear, but right now in the way too early poll, they'll come in number 24 to start. Yep. They're tired of living in the shadow of the football team, boys. They're, they're starting to come on. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Number 23, Tyler. Utah State. Utah State's bringing back Sam Merle, a guard who averaged 20.9 points a game, and their center, Nemes Quinta. Did I get it? I, that's did I get much, it? Yeah. I guess. Yeah. 11.8 points per game. Trophy. 8.9 rebounds per game. You know, they got this two-headed monster coming back. You're only going to get better. Utah State cracks our top 25. Number 22. Uh, we need like the we need the numbers to pop up. Number 22. 22. Um, <laughs> coming out of the Pac-12. The Washington Huskies. <laughs> Isaiah Stewart, he's coming, boys. Five-star kid. Five-star La Lumiere. La Lumiere. Indiana boy. Transfer from UK, Quad A Green, eligible come in January. Yep. So yep. Washington's got some promise coming in. You know, they, they cracked the top 25 this past year as well. Yep. Made a little bit of noise in the tournament with their zone. And uh, Washington, 
22. Yeah, and Washington, I man, if they – this is a big if. If they could get Matthias Steibel to come back, a superstar scoring for them, ooh, watch out. Washington could be a handful, a handful. So moving on number 21 in our way too early preseason poll, Peyton. Maybe a little bit shocking to you guys, but we got the North Carolina Tar Heels. They're losing out on five people. They got Nasir Little, they already declared. Luke Mays a senior. Kenny Williams a senior. Cam Johnson senior. Losing out on those guys. Bye, and Kobe bye, White. Bye. Losing out on those five guys. Big key opponents from last year. They're losing out on like 85 <clears throat> to 90% of their scoring. They do got some players you expected to return. As of now, they got Garrison Brooks, Sterling Marley, Brandon Robinson, Leaky Black, and Seventh Woods. <laughs> Sorry. Seventh Sorry. Woods. And they got two recruits <laughs> coming in next year. They got five star Armando Bay Cut. And they got three star Jemiah Francis. Right now they're 21st, but if Cole Anthony ends up committing, like I think he will, they'll probably move up top 15, maybe maybe top 10. We'll see. Yeah. But as right now they're 21st. I'm glad you went ahead and explained because if, on the first take, we'll, you'll look and be like, 21st, North Carolina. But that, like I said, they're losing a everything. Hell of a lot of production. Everything. That's a <laughs> lot of production they're losing. Um, number twenty, um, Tyler. I'll let you take over again. Number twenty coming in. VCU guys. VCU. They are returning four double-digit <clears throat> scoring threats. VCU man, they're year in year out. They've been coming on and keep coming on. They're they're the next coming at Gonzaga. That may be a little bit of too much, but uh, VCU. They're going to set top twenty. And are uh, way too early top 25. Yeah, VCU definitely, especially bringing four of your five starters can never hurt. I mean, Lord, no. Um, so at 19th, and um, again, if you haven't figured out by now, Tyler's on the Pac 12 and the, the, the Big 12 here in our scouting. Um, coming in at 19th, another Pac 12 country. <laughs> Mine's going to be over soon because mine are low riders here. The Oregon Ducks, the number 11 ranked, number 11th ranked recruiting class. They got a number 27, a Cassius Stanley, also considering Oregon. You know, they're returning senior, or he'll be a senior this year, Peyton Pritchard, Lewis King, and a, another center, and a Kenny Woodson. Yeah. Uh, Bull Bull, he's gone, but they didn't have much of him last year, and they still played decently well. Yeah, they gave, I mean, they made the Sweet 16, gave uh, Virginia a run. Peyton Pritchard's the white point guard, really shoot, handled the ball, got a little flair to him, a little, you know. Um, and Kenny Wooten is the dude that I said is the second coming of Jordan Bell. Just block shots, athletic, Woo-hoo. long. You give him another year, oh, my good Lord. Yes, sir. Um, Oregon's will be a handful. They're going to get the Pac-12 off our sinking ship. Um, number 18, this is one of mine here. Number 18, as far as when I say mine, scouting and all that. Number 18 on our list. Had a great year this past year. We go to <laughs> Houston, the Houston Cougars. Um, they will be losing their, their top two players, essentially, or at least their number one player in uh, Corey Davis. But Houston, 33-4 and four this past year. Sweet 16, damn near beat Kentucky to go to the lead eight. Um, returnees, Chris Harris Jr., Justin Gorham, Armani Brooks, and Dejon Giroux. Not really bringing anybody in in a way of recruits um, as far as, like, three-star or above. So maybe a little short there, but they will be bringing back some experience. Houston is good enough again to – compete and win the American Athletic Conference again with the likes of like Memphis, Cincinnati, Wichita State. So, so I, I think it's warranted Houston, at least <clears throat> right now, in our, uh, coming in 18th and our way too early top 25. Next up, coming at number 17, we got the Purdue Boilermakers. Purdue finished the season last year 25-8 and eight, and ended up losing in the lead eight to Virginia. But 
they losing out on Carson Edwards. He's already declared. That's going to suck. But they are bringing up some people coming back. No Gerald Easton, Eric Hunter Jr., Ann Wheeler, Matt Holmes, Trayvon Williams, Evan Bordeaux, and Sasha Steffi Stefanov. Yeah, okay. Not so easy, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. So they're bringing back them, and they got a couple of recruits coming in next year. Four-star Brandon Newman. Falpo. He's Falpo. Uh huh. Shooting guard. Yep. Isaiah Thomas. Three star and three star Mason Gillis. Mason Gillis is from Newcastle. Um, on this Purdue team, we all seen how good. I mean, you think about No. Joe Eastern, the defensive stopper, athletic fit defensive stopper who can run the wing. You got Eric Hunter Jr. who can play at point, play at shooting guard. You've got where'd you go in Purdue? I just I was going where'd through. Where'd you go? Um, Matt <laughs> obviously the big seven foot three dude in the middle. Got great hair. Um, Plays hard. And Aaron Wheeler. Aaron Wheeler is the kid that came in against Tennessee and Virginia that shot lights <clears> out. Yep. Oh, my good Lord. And Travion Williams is the another Caleb Swanigan type. Purdue is set to have an extraordinary year again. They are set to – I mean, they can win the Big Ten again. And say if Carson Edwards pulls a surprise and comes back, top oh, ten team. Top, top ten. I'm telling you, watch out for Brandon Newman, kid from Valparaiso. 6'4", shooting guard. He is outstanding. Mm-hmm. He will change the, the dynamic of the offensive flow on this team. 100%. Um, moving on here. Number 16, we have – and this is an interesting one here. Number 16, we have from the Big East, the Seton Hall Pirates – Seton Hall went 20 and 14 this this past season. Um, exited in the first round. Wofford beat them. Let me pull this down real quick. Returnees, as of now, Miles Powell. He's not declared for the draft, so we assume he's coming back. Miles Powell is a superstar. Guy that can go get you 30 night in, night out. Yep. Darnell Brody. Sandra Mamokulashivi, who was on our all pronunciation team. Quincy McKnight, Shavar Reynolds, How who smooth. is Shavar Reynolds is um, a scoring threat. They bring a newcomer, Tyree Samuel, four-star kid. Kevin Willard has got the Seton Hall program back to the point where it was back in the 80s, early 90s, where they're year in, year out making the NCAA tournament, can win the Big East. They are loaded to bear this upcoming year. They could honestly, honest God, could have been higher on our list mm-hmm. as of right now. Miles Powell makes a difference in this team. Miles mm-hmm. Powell, I mean, anytime you bring a guy back who can go get you 30, it's a big deal. Yeah. So, um, you know, Seton Hall coming in at 16. Now we're in our top 15. Top 15 teams and they're way too early top 25. You know, national champion runner-up, you know, the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Texas Tech here, you know, they're the number 14 uh, recruiting class. Has the number two uh, junior college transfer and uh, Khalid Thomas. Number uh, 30, uh, Jameis Ramsey's coming. You know, uh, what's his name? Oh, boy, Lord, my mind. Shooting guard, Culver. Oh, Culver, oh, dear, Culver he, he's yeah. gone, so you're losing a pivotal piece. Here, so that's kind of the, one of the big reasons. And they got a lot of seniors. That the two uh, or the big senior Francis, he's gone, obviously, but uh, they're dropped down the list here. They could make another surprise run. I don't see why not. But as of right now, the Red Raiders are number fifteen on our list. Coming out number fourteen, we got the Michigan Wolverines. Michigan finished the season last year, uh, thirty and seven. Had a decent season, uh, not as expected. They lost in the second round to uh, what was the Sweet Sixteen. Who the, they lost in the Sweet 16 because that's Texas Tech, Tech, Tech yeah. mothered them, 63-44. Not a good way to go out. Uh, but got some players you're expected to return. John Teske, Xavier uh, Simpson, Isaiah Livers, Eli Brooks, Austin Davis, David De- 
Julius and Brandon Johns. And I got a couple four-star recruits coming in next year. You got Jalen Wilson and Cole Bajima. Michigan is losing a lot. Uh, Michigan, they do bring back a lot of key guys, but they're losing. I mean, you think about Iggy's Brasdakis. They're losing Charles Matthews and they're losing Jordan Poole. Those are three guys who are versatile that can run your offense and go score you back. That's at least between them. I have to look, but I think that's at least thirty to thirty-five points that they're losing. Yeah, losing their big. And three. I love Jordan Poole. He yeah, such I do a, too. He's such a good player. Too. He came on late. Yes, Charles when Matthews you needed hurt. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles Matthews needs to continue to work on his jump shot a little bit more. He got better this year, but um, and Iggy Brasdakis was great from year round pretty much and. Um, Michigan's losing a lot. They're bringing some guys back. But I've learned to stop doubting John Beeline. He's become – stop doubting him because he's always going to have Michigan in the hunt. Every bit. So, would give us some respect. Michigan's 14th right now. Yep. Tyler, 13th on our poll. It's kind of so weird, man, to see him down this far on, like, especially a preseason poll. But 13's near and dear to your heart. Yep. They've lost a lot, too. You know, the Kansas Jayhawks. Dietrich Lawson, he's going to the, dra- the draft. Grimes, the draft. Dotson, the draft. K.J. Lawson, transfer. Charlie Moore, transfer. Jeez, man. But Udoka Azabuke, as of right now, in the rules, he has not committed. You got the best back-to-basket big man in the NCAA right now. Hands down, bar none. Broken hand or not, when he comes back, he's the best there is. Yep. They have Garrett, their top defender. Arguably probably the uh, Big 12 defender, defensive player of the year next year. You got Ochai Abaji coming back. He had a hell of a year once he got Every uh, bit. They're going to move him into that shooting guard position. What are we going to do with uh, Grimes and Dotson? Well, we have Isaac McBride, a four-star yep. recruit, point guard, 6'1", 170 pounds, probably the, same, the exact same build as Dotson. What are we going to do with uh, Grimes? We're going to move Ochai to the shooting guard, and we're going to bring in Christian Braun, yep. a four-star, 6'5", 175 wing, uh, wing player. You know, we're not down, we're not out. We just keep on re- re- reloading here, guys. Kansas, number 13. And that's the thing about Kansas, too. Surprisingly, they did not shoot the ball well this year. And you bring in a guy like Christian Braun, um, Isaiah McBride, and all them. Obviously, you're loading up on shooters. Need guys who can fill it up. Oh, you know, Bonji, at times, he could shoot well. He's more yeah. of an athletic guy. But if you give him a summer to improve, that really changes the dynamic of Kansas as well. Mr. Franz Fischella pointed it out, the problem, and I noticed it. It was his follow-through. When he was hitting, it was just smooth as silk, gooseneck, and then he started pulling his hand back a little bit. He started getting a little uh, little timid with his jumper, and that's when you started seeing the misses. If he adjusts and comes back strong like he did when he came off the red shirt, it's going to be lights out for this kid. If, if Kansas gets Matthew Hurt, they are definitely – and say they get Matthew Hurt and DJ Lawson comes back, or combination of one, Kansas is definitely going top ten. If they were to get both, Kansas would be a top five, top six. You get DeSosa back off this suspension. They're number one. <laughs> <laughs> Just interesting. It's so weird a preseason poll to see Kansas down that low because you're so used to them being top three, top four. Um, number 12. Now this is where it gets interesting. Number 12, the Memphis Tigers. Memphis went 22-14 and 14 <clears throat> this year, made it to the NIT. Returnees, pretty much everybody except for the top two scorers, Jeremiah Martin, Kayvon Davenport. And I know you'd be like, well, you're losing your top two scores or whatever. But you're bringing in five-star James Wiseman, number one player in the class. Five-star DJ Jeffries, who was committed to Kentucky before Penny got him to decommit. Uh, four-star Malcolm Dandridge and three-star Damian Ball. Memphis is loaded in an aspect they're bringing back a lot of young guys freshmen sophomores a junior or two 
with these talented talent. James Wiseman, if you've not seen him, is as good a big man. He's not your traditional – like, he's not in a, a doke. He's not a solid guy. He nah. runs the floor. He's a more versatile big guy. He will change the dynamic of Memphis basketball this next year. He's a one and done for sure. Oh, yeah. And bank on it. Yeah, we that's an easy <laughs> bank on it. And DJ Jeffries is an athletic wing. Memphis has got pieces. Now Penny Hardaway, like I said, we would we 12th? 12th. 12th? Yeah. Okay. Penny Hardaway. If you want people to start being jealous of you coaches, you better win now. This team that you have right now, you roll the ball today. This team is can make it to the sweet 16. You get to season, get to flow, get them some experience. That team, if they stay healthy and hungry, that team's a chance at outside Final Four. That's how good you will have it. Memphis will be back. There will be excitement in the FedEx Forum again. Keep an eye on the Memphis Tigers. We bring them in number 12 right now, way too early preseason, <clears throat> top 25. Let's see what you got, Penny. You fired me up earlier this year. You really lit a fighter into my ass with this, so let's see what you got. Yeah, they will be, they're going to be a fun team to watch. So James Wiseman is the truth. Dude, he can stretch it out. He can hit mid-range. He can post up. He can do almost everything you want in a big man. So Memphis should be good next year, but we'll see. Coming up on number 11th, though, a team near and dear to my heart, we got the Louisville Cardinals. Louisville is right now. They finished 20-14 and 14 last season. Went out first round in Minnesota. And they're expected to return Dwayne Sutton, Malik Williams, Ryan McMahon, and Darius Perry as of now. But we got a stack recruiting class coming in. Number three in the nation, according to ESPN. We got... Lamar Kimball, who is, I think he's a transfer, uh, five-star right now, Samuel Williamson, four-star Aiden Agagion, four-star David Johnson, four-star Josh Nickelberry, and four-star Jalen Withers, and three-star Quinza Linsky. Number three recruiting class, and if Jordan Norton and Stephen Enoch comes back, watch out. Yeah, but yeah. right now, they're 11th, just right outside the top 10. Maybe it could go top 10, but we're going to be loading next year. We're going to be deep. If, if. No, this is if. If those guys come back, Enoch <clears throat> and Jordan North, Louisville has a chance to win the national championship. They will be that good, that loaded. I mean, they'll have depth. You you bring in a five-star and, like, four four-stars. To go along with the experienced guys you've already come back, that's a recipe for – I mean, they could go 10, 11 deep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Could you, um, could you imagine? <laughs> and, and, they, and they run that pack line, their version of a pack line. We've seen how successful it is, obviously. They'll run and off it. I mean, Louisville could be real dangerous next year. But without Nora, without Enoch, and a lot of unproven guys right now, I mean, you bring back Sutton and Malik Williams and Darius But with, like, all these unproven guys, we still, you know, <clears throat> just outside the top ten, but I would bank on it. When we do the preseason poll, they're going to be right there in the top seven area. They'll continue to climb. Yeah. They'll continue to climb each week. L- if, we, if we revise this every week, they'd keep going up. Yeah, Louisville's going to be a problem next year. Coming in number 10, Peyton, our top 10. Top 10. We got the 10. Maryland Terrapins. <laughs> we got the Maryland Terrapins. Terrapins, yeah. Whatever. Uh, right now, the last year, they finished 23-11. and 11. Uh, Notable players are expected to return. We got Anthony Cowan, Jalen Smith, Daryl Merchelle, Aaron Wiggins, Sarah Smith, Eric Ayala, or yeah, yeah right? Ricky Lindo, and right now they're I think has Fernando already declared? Yeah, I think so. Okay, he might have. Yeah. Um, and expecting additions, you got four-star Mackay Mitchell, three-star Dante Scott, and three-star Mikhail Mitchell. 
Oh, right, okay. Probably, probably brother, twins, yeah, twins. something like that. So they got some talent coming in for next the year. The biggest thing that they could do, though, is they got Jalen Smith back. Jalen yep. Smith is a guy that could have went pro, and he's coming back for his sophomore year. Yep. And that makes Maryland uh, legit. I mean, look at these. The Big Ten's going to be good again next year, presumably. But you look at this, and a guy like Jalen Smith coming back for Maryland is a huge, huge deal. Yep. Even without Bruno Fernando, they're going to be <clears throat> experienced deep and Maryland could really make a run at the Big Ten this year, this upcoming season. Coming in number nine, the number one recruiting class in America right now, even though they're on, like, some FBI probes with Sean Miller, it looks like he's coming back. Tyler, take it away. Arizona. Arizona, boys and girls, these guys have got it going on. FBI or not, we're going to put them in here. They're returning stud sophomore Brandon Williams. They got Nico Manning. If you have not seen this Dude. cat play, smooth as silk. He played McDonald's All-American game. He played in the Jordan Classic game the other day. Handles like crazy. Oh, son. yes. Five-star. He's smooth. All five. Five and a half. You got Josh Green. Another five-star. Five-star, 6'6", small forward. Terry Armstrong, shooting guard, 6'6", 185, four-star. Christian Coloco. There you go. Hey, Look at this, boys. Oh, it's two for two. Two for two. <laughs> Went to Best Buy and got Rosetta Stone. But uh, he's a three-star, seven-footer, but he's only 195 pounds. Now, that's what happens when you're young and you get that tall, you get like a beanpole. They got a hard commit, though, here from four-star uh, Zeke Najai. There you go. Got it. Three for from, three. From Hopkins, uh, Hopkins, Minnesota. So... You see why they have the best recruiting class in the nation. <clears throat> you can understand what why we have them in our top ten. You know, you got to prove it once you hit the hardwood. But with the recruiting class they have, they have the recipe for disaster with this team. Yeah, and if anything, we've been proven over the one-and-done era especially that it's not like the years past where, you, I mean, if you had great freshmen, it made a difference. But really now, if you have great freshmen especially – Great freshman in abundance, five stars, four stars. It's a game changer. And they've got two five stars, <clears throat> like two four stars, a three star. I mean, it's they're loaded to bear. It just as long as the FBI don't put the hammer to them and their their coach don't screw it up, Sean Miller, Arizona's final four quality good. Right from the get-go. If you have yet to see Josh Green play, go find a mixtape. Go search him all on YouTube. This dude can do almost everything. He's Australian. He can shoot. He can attack the rim. He's a great player. And I've been hearing bank on it a lot right now. So bank on it next year. He's going to lead Pac-12 in scoring. Oh, boy. From IMG Academy. Yep. Yep. Just outstanding player. Moving up, number eight. Um, And they're finally starting to get the respect that they deserve. Um, th- this tournament run opened people's eyes. Bur- Bruce Pearl is a fantastic coach. Coming in number eight in our way too early preseason top 25, the Auburn Tigers go 30-10 and 10 this past year, obviously make the final four. <clears throat> yes, Jarrett Harper has declared for the draft. And yes, they're losing Bryce Brown being a senior. But Auburn returns Samir Dowdy, Javon McCormick, Anthony McLemore, Chumo Kiki, a uh, Praying that he gets healthy, you know. Oh, he Chimo will. Kiki, Daniel Purifoy, Austin Wiley. All one, two, three, four, five, all six of those guys had major roles inside this Auburn team. It's not just like a bringing a guy back who only averaged two points. All these guys logged major minutes. I mean, Austin Wiley was their starting center. McCormick started every once in a while. Anthony McElmore, obviously, Chumo Kiki, Daniel Purifoy come off the bench. I mean, Samir Dowdy, all these guys, major players. 
And then on top of that, four-star, they're bringing in four-star Isaac Okoro, four-star Tyrell Jones, four-star Allen Flanagan, four-star Jalen Williams, and three-star Babatunde Akambolo. Ooh. Okay. Auburn is loaded to bear. I'll put it right now. Auburn and another team yet to be named are <clears throat> my preseason favorites as of right now to win the SEC turn or win the SEC. And Auburn is another team, like we mentioned with Memphis, like we mentioned in Louisville, like we mentioned in Arizona. Auburn is a team that can make the Final Four. Yep. Again. And if they were to get Jarrett Harper back, Katie bar the door, Auburn's a team that could win it all this year. Run it back. So Auburn, the Auburn Tigers coming in at number eight, coming in at number seven. Behind me. Oh, who did? Oh, it was me. My you bad. See I was trying. <laughs> Come on, give yourself a nudge. Coming in, <laughs> coming in at number seven, um, the Marquette Golden Eagles. Marquette, again, coming off of another solid year. Um, like I said, they gave away the Big East, in my opinion. Marquette, 24 and 10 this past year. First round exit, obviously, John Morant tore them up tournament. They bring back the. Man, I don't know. I mean, how would you describe him? Probably the best point guard right now in America coming back, for sure. The top scorer, however you want to look at him. Yeah, top scorer, yeah. He was in our all-heating-up team. Yep. Marcus Howard has announced he's coming back for his senior year, and they're bringing back mostly everyone else. Really not a lot. I mean, they got one signee under a three-star. Marquette's loaded to bear it. This is the year if they're going to make a Final Four for the first time since 2003 and Dwayne Wade, this is the year they're going to do it. Marquette is loaded to bear. The same way we said about Miles Powell, you bring back a guy, go get you 30, 40 points, never hurts. And plus an experienced guy like that. Oh, yeah. So Marquette, no complaints about Marquette, number seven. ESPN's way too early predictions. They had Marquette second. Is number two, which is crazy, which I can maybe see it, but we, I don't we know. mentioned. Like, I'm sorry, but when you mentioned about needing senior leadership and stuff, when you got a guy like this coming back, wow. Yeah. Man. So moving on to number six, we stay inside the Big East, the the reigning, defending Big East champions. Two of the last now four years, NCAA champions, the Villanova Wildcats. Villanova had a down year this year. Purdue smacked them around the second round, but I'll be hard pressed to find anybody that smacks Villanova around this upcoming year. Villanova went 26 and 10, second round exit. This is where things really start getting crazy. Returning Sadiq Bey, Colin Gillespie, Javon Quinterly, Jermaine Samuels, all experienced guys, all can play. Newcomers, five star Brian Antoine, five star Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Four-star Justin Moore, four-star Eric Dickinson. Villanova is going to be right contention to win another title again in another other every other year type scenario. They are going. I would not want to play Villanova this year. Uh, it's, it's back I've to got my teams. fair share of them. <laughs> uh, not again. Yeah, it's back to the type of team where I wouldn't want to play them. No, well, you've you've seen what they did to Kansas a couple years ago. Beat the piss out of them. And they're uh-huh. bringing two five stars, a four-star, and bringing back another experienced team. Things are about to be popping in Philadelphia again this year. Yep. Villanova's legit. So we move in finally to our top five. Moving inside the top five. And this is where things really start, again, getting interesting. Um, because anybody inside this top five, of course, when preseason polls come out, things will look different because people will come, go, come, whatever. But we decided on number five. This team went 30-7 and seven this past year. Knocked out in the Elite Eight, Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky returns. Obviously, they're losing PJ, right? Yep. We, 
I assume Tyler Hero and Keldon Johnson because they've entered the draft or put their names in. Um, Reed Travis, senior, he's gone. That's a lot of production. But they are bringing back a lot. Bringing back Jamal Baker. Ashton Hagen's coming back huge. Nick Richards coming back. EJ Montgomery. Emmanuel Quickly. They bring in five-star Tyrese Maxey, five-star Khalil Whitney, five-star Keon, Keon Brooks Jr., four-star Dante Allen, and most importantly of all, I think, <clears throat> Grad transfer from Bucknell, Nate Sustina as a big man that is going to take over the Reed Travis role. A big, solid dude, experience. He's been there, done that. You're not going to rattle him. This is his first time playing on the big stage, but you're not going to rattle him. He's yep. going to rebound. He shot 37, 38% from three. I mean, he's a guy who not only will beat and bang with you down low, it's going to stretch you out, which Kentucky could always use. The Cats are loaded to bear. Might have the best backcourt in America next year when you look at Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Hagens, Tyrese Maxey, Khalil Whitney. Dante Allen. Dante Allen. That's a hell of a defensive and scoring lineup. Wink. Cats are going to be loaded to bear. No surprise <clears throat> here. Um, and then if they were to get back Tyler Hero or Keldon Johnson, or God, they have them both back. But if you get one of them back, Kentucky could be easily the number one team next year preseason. But, I can see it. But as of right now, Kentucky's number five, and I think that's perfectly fine right now. Coming at number four, we got the Virginia Cavaliers, the reigning, defending national champions, a team I wasn't high on all year. This year, uh, only had three losses, went 35-3. and three. Two of those losses was to Duke, and the other one to Florida State in the ACC tournament. As of right now, DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome has not declared yet. So we're expecting, for all rules, we're expecting them to come back, along with Kyle Guy, Mamandi Diakite, uh, Braxton Key, Jay Huff, um, Kihi Clark, Mar and Marco Anthony. And they got two four-star recruits coming in who already signed their LOI. They got Caden Shedrick and Casey Marcel. So they're going to be good next year, expecting Hunter and Drum to declare. But so right now they haven't, so fourth they are. What's worse than playing a really good Virginia team is playing a really good Virginia team that just won the national championship that brought back pretty much everybody. There's nothing scarier than that. Shoe buddy. I mean, there's nothing scarier than that. They could definitely be the first team since Florida to go back-to-back. We going back-to-back. Hey. So the top three, this caused a little bit of debate between us because it's kind of neck and neck. But according to our rules, you know, we've mentioned it before. Peyton, number three in our way too early top 25. We got the Spartans of Michigan State, 32-7 and seven last year for this season. Uh, got to the Final Four, and nobody expected to return. Noble players are expected to return. Got Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, Joshua Langford, healthy Joshua Langford, Xavier Tillman, Aaron Henley, Kyle uh, Bruins. Yeah, Aaron. Aaron's. Aaron's. It's hard to see. Gabe Brown, Foster, Lawyer, Thomas Keithen. Keithen? Yeah. Uh, and Marcus Bingham. That's B hard. That's really hard to say. Bingham. Bingham side. Bing. And they got expected uh, additions coming in next year. Got Malik Hall, Five Star Rocket Watts, and Julius Marber. You talking about best backcourt in the nation? I'll make an argument. Michigan State's number one when it comes to best backcourt in the nation. They're going to be loaded next year, and they're going to be a really good team. We know what we'll find out first game of the year because Champions Classics pitting Kentucky versus Michigan State right from the get go. We'll find out in Kansas Duke. Come get you some. Speaking of the Dukies, number two in our preseason, or sorry, our way too early top twenty-five poll, the Duke Blue Devils. <sighs> Dude, 
got beat in the Elite Eight, didn't even make his Final Four. Expect to players to return. Trey Jones, Marcus Bolden, Alex O'Connell, Jay White. Jack White. What? I don't know what I said. Jack White, Javon DeLaurier, Jordan Goldwire, and Joni Baker also has yet to declare. I made an argument they should be number one. I got outvoted. Zion Williamson as right now has not declared. Expecting him to come back. By our rules. By, we got to go by our rules. As of today, what you got's what you got. That's why the list came that's, out this way. That's right. And we're not predicting. I mean, surely to God he's going, but it is something kind of weird. He hasn't our The unanimous number one hasn't declared yet. He, and the rumor's going around that he, he loves being in school at Duke. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, that's crazy. <laughs> and that's crazy. They got a couple five-stars coming in next year. You got Vernon Carey, Wendell Moore, and you got four-star Boogie Ellis. If Zion comes back next year, put them number one. Could you imagine a kid of this caliber and what he did coming back? Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Dude, wow. I, I, I mean, it would be it'd be foolish. I honestly got I think it'd be foolish. Um, but you'd have to respect him. I mean, oh, well, could yeah. you imagine a sophomore Zion? <laughs> oh, my Imagine Lord. if he could, yeah. That, no, you're not, I mean, he's not going to hurt a draft stock. He'll be number one this year, next year, yeah. junior year, or senior yeah, year. Yeah, he's one of those rare guys that would be. It's just, oof. A sophomore Zion would, you thought this year was bad. He would destroy people next year as a sophomore. What we, if we, he, did, we just need a, a rookie Zion. Get him out. Yeah. <laughs> get, get him out. Get him out. So we've came to the time. Who's number one in our way Ooh. too early top Ooh. 25? See, this is a movie or TV show. We'd leave you on a commercial. We're not going to do that. Nah. Tyler, reveal our number one team as of now in our way too early top 25. Michigan State Spartans. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was vetoed on this. I was vetoed. Well, you'll find hey, out I was why too. you were vetoed. Yeah, I know. It was, it, was, it was two to one. I got sh- I got shibbed here. But we all we all came in here collectively at the end and picked the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga, as of the moment, as of right now, returns Raji Hachimura, Brandon Clark, Corey Crispert. Kispert. Kispert, Zach Norrell, Flip. Philip Petrozev. Philip Petrozev, yeah. What did I say, Flip? It's all right. Look at all them L's in there. <laughs> Kalen Tilly, or Killen Tilly. You know, it's too much coming back as of, as of the moment. Newcomers, you got four-star Drew uh, Timmy, Anton Watson, who's a four-star. Help me out. Pavel Zakharov. <laughs> four-star. Four-star. Brock Rabbit, four-star. A newcomer, a... Uh, uh, yeah, there, there's, there are newcomers. There's no one coming in lower than a three-star. They are four-star and above. And you got all these people coming back at the moment. That's the reason why they they changed my mind and helped to get Gonzaga Bulldogs to the top position. Yeah, as of right now, by our rules, I mean, there's nobody that's more loaded. There, there's a lot of loaded teams, but nobody's more loaded coming back as of right now than Gonzaga. Uh, it's going to be a long year for the people out on the West Coast in the West Coast Conference. Even if we expect Roy Hotchmore and Brandon Clark to go, they're still going to be loaded. They might not be number one, but as of right now, according to our rules, Gonzaga Bulldogs, the number one team in our way too early top Number one. So there's that. This was so much fun. We compiled our own list. Um, did our we, research. We, we did our own research, set our own rules. This will be a yearly tradition. And like I said, things will change. This is in uh, April. When we do our official preseason ECB Top 25, when we have all the teams are pretty much set, people who are going to the draft are going, people are coming back, all the stuff that's set, things will look probably a little different. 
But for now, this was so much fun. Um, yep. You, yep. Will, you will see that ESPN, CBS Sports, and Fox Sports kind of piggybacks off of our selections. That's yeah, true. no kidding. Um, the one thing that stands out to me in our, our top 25, all four Final Four teams from this past season are inside the top 15. Um, you have, let's see, you have Virginia 4, you have Auburn 8, you have, where Michigan, oh, Michigan State was 3, and you have Texas Tech 15. Yep. So a lot of returning people, a lot of respect given. So with that, um, Peyton, before we move on to the final segment of the show, go ahead and plug your stuff real quick. My podcast called The J3X Show is on Anchor, Spotify, and Google Play, and iTunes as well on those four platforms. Also, I have a YouTube channel. So go to YouTube.com and the search bar, type in The J3X Show. You'll find my beautiful logo that my friend Tommy Snyder made for me. And he made for us as well for ECB Podcast too. So he did a really good job with that. Shout out to him. And go support support my podcast. I'm going to do another episode here soon. And that's all. With that said, we will take one last pause for a cause and uh, start to wrap this thing up on the other side. We'll see you then. What's happening, College Hoops fans? It is Conrad Cushman from the Everything Pro Wrestling Podcast, and I'm here to tell you how you can follow Everything Pro Wrestling. First, go to your Facebook, type in the search bar, Everything Pro Wrestling. Look for our official page with over 1,000 likes and make sure you give it a like. Also, we have a closed group with over 200 members in it where you can join discussions and talk about anything and everything pro wrestling. We also have a Twitter handle, and that is at EPW Show. And we have a podcast, and the podcast is available on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And remember, everything pro wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. Now let's get back to talking some college hoops. Hey guys, Peyton here from ECB. I'm here to tell you about my wrestling podcast that's called The J3X Show. That's only on YouTube. You'll see predictions, pay-per-view views, and live streams on there. So go ahead and like, share, and subscribe. Also, go follow the show on Twitter at J3X Show. Ooh, yeah, brother. Da-da-da, da-da-da. Nah, forget that. Nah, forget that. get out no, of no, here. No. We are here to, like I said, kind of start to wrap things up. Um, the news portion, I, you know, certain stuff may come and go in the offseason, but news will always be there. There's always going to be newsworthy. Starting off, um, Auburn Tigers and Bruce Pearl agree to a five-year extension. It's a no-brainer to me. And I think they did that in part. Yes, he went to Final Four, but there was some talk, too, with some of these jobs coming open. Why wouldn't you look at Bruce Pearl and Auburn try to lock, basically lock him down through, I think it's a 2023-2024 season? Yep. Smart move. <clears throat> Great decision. Yeah. He's, he's always you know good to his fans. He's a personal favorite of ours. Yeah. I don't see why not. Keep him where he's at. Smart move. i tell you another – no-brainer um, in the news. Zion Williamson sweeps 2019 awards by winning the Wooden Award this past week. No surprise there. Nope, not at all. Um, best player in America by far. Um, only one I thought was close was John ja Morant. John ja Morant, yeah. So no surprise with Zion sweeping the awards season. <clears throat> Couple coaching hires. Um, Arkansas. Goes to Nevada and steals Eric Musselman from Nevada. Musselman does a tremendous job at Nevada. Arkansas is 
pegged him to turn the program back around and get them back to their winning ways. And I think it's a good hire. You know, we've been rating the hires. I would give this, um, I'd give this a B plus. I want to see how Eric does on a bigger stage now in a tougher conference. But I think he's a good recruiter. He's kind of slick and suave. He's a good coach, obviously. And I think it's going to be a good hire for Arkansas. I don't, I don't think it's going to be a quick turnaround. I think he'll build. But at the same time, you think about his teams. He has a couple five-star kids commit to Nevada. One just decommitted after he left. Yep. Um, he had a great team there. So who's to say he couldn't do the same with more resources at Arkansas with a gr- better tradition? I give it a B+. Plus. SEC keeps on getting stronger when they're coaches, man. I give this a B minus. I, I got to see how he does first in the bigger conference in the SEC. So B minus. I'll give him an A. Hmm. You know, this is this is a perfect exit for a guy. You know, you're, you're losing a lot as far as seniors, and you had a lot of NBA talent with Nevada. We talked about him a lot this year of how – you know how good they were and everything so this is this is an a for me this guy's you know you talk about people staying too long or leaving too early this is the perfect exit for this guy so i'm glad you mentioned that um sometimes we talk about you got to strike while iron's hot and his iron's not any hotter than it is right now mm-hmm. keep on keeping on yep go get paid and go test yourself in a bigger <laughs> conference i mean he's got the resources of arkansas arkansas has got a great basketball tradition yep. back to the nolan ryan or nolan richardson days and um, the 40 minutes of hell, and we'll see. I like the hire. I think it's good. Makes the conference stronger. Yep. Um, Another coaching hire. Now, this one, God, this is how the mighty have fallen. UCLA finally hired a coach. They went to Cincinnati and stole or got Mick Cronin. Before I go on, Mick Cronin's a he's a good coach. He's not great. He's a good coach. Very defensive minded, which is crazy because UCLA and out in uh, LA with like the Lakers, you want Showtime, you want flashy, you want not going to happen. UCLA is going to be very sound defensively. UCLA is going to now rebound well. They'll get some good players, but it's going to be man, kind of a boring style for those people out west. And uh, Mick Cronin's not really had a lot of success in the tournament. He's great through the regular season, not very good in the NCAA's. But I think it's more – UCLA started their coaching search going after John Calipari, going after Rick Barnes, swinging and missing on both of them. <laughs> Bad. And <laughs> they did not get Fred Hoiberg. Hoiberg goes to Nebraska over UCLA. Yep. That says something. Uh, mm-hmm. Just you, you don't get – there was talks of maybe Luke Walton. No. You remember the days when UCLA used to be like the premier school or one of them. And now they're like swinging. And again, it's no offense to McCronin, but on the level, you would be like a B to C level coach. Not exactly if you're UCLA what you would hope for. You need a high profile guy that can really, um, you know, I don't care what anybody says. I know if he goes out there and wins, great. Like I said, he's going to be great defensively. Cincinnati teams under him were always great. But people out there want a certain style of basketball. You want flashy, you want high, you want. You know, run and gun. You want a good defensive team, but you want like alley oop dunks and Westbrook. Yeah, you're out there in you know Hollywood. So I'm going to say, man, and it's again, I get nothing really against Mick Cronin, but because his lack of NCAA success, his his style he's taking out, I just don't think it's a good fit. I'm going to give this hire probably a D. I just don't think it's good. I agree with that. I'll double down on that. D. No, this this is against Mike Cronin. This is against UCLA. You can do better than this. It's ridiculous that you, you as far as what you were trying to get and the way you were trying to undercut Calipari and these guys with, with your offers, 
It just you're not going to get it that way. F. Yeah. F. Yeah, bad. And remember too, um, they could have got Jamie Dixon, and they didn't want to pay. They didn't want to pay TCU for his basically release clause. <clears throat> UCLA did not want to pony up the money, the couple million dollars, to pay TCU to get a damn good coach in Jamie Dixon. If they would have got Jamie Dixon, this my whole mentality around UCLA changes. I he's wish a they would have. Coach. Oh, I wish they would have ever bit. He would have fit perfect because he's got that style, man. He played. got that got that hair, you know. He's real boisterous. He's a loud mouth. He, would he fit right in in Hollywood. Oh, he would he would have lived it up. But man, I mean, there's other options. Go get Greg Marshall from Wichita State. Go get somebody. Yeah. I really wish they would have gave Patino a call. Dude, Patino would have been fantastic. Oh, why God, not? Yeah. Why not take a chance? Honestly, I know with all the scandals and all the stuff that happened at Louisville and how he exited, but at this point, why not take a chance? Yeah, who gives a shit? Who it's, cares? It's, it's everywhere. It's in the past. Give it up. Cal Perry, he done some stuff before he got to Kentucky. Look where he's at now. Just give give a man another chance. Patino would have turned that program around in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, 100%. Speaking of Patino real quick, Patino, the options I think that would be good for him if he was to come back because he's doing well in Pantheniakos in Greece. Yep. If he comes back because a man could still coach, if he was to come back college with the job openings now, I'd like to see him out in Nevada, either Nevada or UNLV because I don't think UNLV's hired coach. Maybe they have, but Nevada's open. I think. Or, or do they As of right now, yeah. It's being rumored that Steve offered. They've offered Steve offered. Okay. And he's probably going to take the job. Well, that'd be great because yeah. he does good out there. But, okay, I'd like to see Patino out in Nevada because I think it's a great fit. St. John's would be a great fit for him. Oh, but yes. In that New York market. Oh, Back in the Big God. East. Oh, my God. Back in that market. Big East. Um, but just a couple like that. But as far as this UCLA hire, <clears throat> that's, it's just bad. It's bad. Very bad. So, yep. I mean, Mick Cronin, go go prove us wrong. That's all I can say. Yep. <laughs> he ain't going to do it. I'll bank on it. <laughs> it kind of sucks for Cincinnati right now, too, because um, uh, Frank Martin turned him down because Frank Martin coached there for a while with um, Huggy Bear because he mm-hmm. was assistant there, and they wanted to ask permission to talk to him, and he turned him down. He said he loved Cincinnati and his time there, but he loves being at South Carolina. And he declined even speaking to him. He had once stayed at South Carolina. So, I don't blame him. So good. Um, if they had got, if Cincinnati would get Frank Martin, that would have been a great hire. Mm-hmm. But um, that's kind of it for our coaching hirings and firings right now. Peyton, you got some recruiting news? Yes, I do. Real quick, going back to the Nevada coaching thing about him getting hired at um, Arkansas. Real quick, former five-star freshman Jordan Brown has announced that he will be entering the transfer portal. So he's going to be transferring from Nevada. So, I don't know who he's going to go to yet, but he he did announce he's getting in the transfer portal. Back to recruiting news. I've actually got some pretty good, interesting stuff here. Ole Miss lands four-star shooting guard Austin Crowley. Five-star Cassius Stanley took an official visit to Duke this weekend. Stanley will also make his college decision this Wednesday. <clears throat> his final four are Kansas, Oregon, UCLA, and Duke. Really like to see him go to Kansas, but I don't know. I think the Crystal Balls haven't predicted to Duke, my, I believe so. Number 27 overall, right? Yeah. And uh, Alabama has offered 2025 star Hunter Dickinson. Uh, the Nike Hoop Summit was this week, and the USA team defeated the world team 93-87. to Five-star Cole Anthony had 25 points, seven rebounds, and four assists. <sighs> My lord, if you have not watched that player and watched him play, he's a special player, man. 
Full Star shooting guard Cassius McNeely has committed to Texas A&M. Dude, Buzz Williams already got. Buzz Williams already <coughs> making headways. He's already getting done on the recruiting news. Lastly, five-star Matthew Hurt will be making his college decision this Friday. His final four schools are Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Cristobal hasn't gone into Duke. Big-time recruiting insider. He's in on <clears throat> today. Yeah. They're in on visiting today. Big-time recruiting insider Evan Daniels says it's between Duke and Kentucky. He don't see him going to Kansas or North Carolina. I say Cristobal for me. I'm saying he's committing to Duke. I'm saying that we we shock everybody, and Kentucky gets him like we got Keon Brooks. Um, he's a big-time player. We've mentioned him all year. Big white kid, about 6'8", six, 6'9", six, that can really stretch the floor and shoot. Any one of them four teams, Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, he commits to. We talked about <clears> rankings <throat> will change. He could, he'll could he change the game instantly for one of these teams. Yep. Same way with Cole Anthony. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Stick your hand in the hat and draw out a name, you're going to get a good player. Yeah. <laughs> um, what a list, too, if you're a recruit. Oh, yeah. wow. Blue Buds, man. I mean, I'm down to Duke, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina. I don't know where <laughs> I'm going to go. Um, what, a, what a list. Help me out, Jen A. <laughs> what a life. <laughs> Um, moving on to shout-outs. We mentioned we got our first shout-out T-shirt available now. Let's move on to the shout-outs. Um, shout-out, real short and simple. I'm going to do my one and only shout-out to Kim Mulkey from the Baylor Bears. Gets another national championship in an era that's been dominated essentially by UConn, Notre Dame, and Baylor for the last, God, 10, 15 years. She was able to sneak in another one. Hall of Fame-level coach. Kind of criminally underrated and um, – yeah, shout out to Kim Mulkey and the Baylor Women's Bears program. It's just the kind of the beat that keeps rolling on. They're going to be good as long as she's there. Yep. Oh, yeah. Cook. Who, who else better to shout out than Virginia? Virginia, you go out last year and you get beat by the 16 seed the first time ever. You turn it around. You pick it up. You get the wheels going and you come back and win the national championship this year. You know, it's, you'll never see anything like this ever again. I'll, here we go. Another one. Bank on it. You will never see a one seed lose to a 16 seed and turn it back around and win national championship. <clears throat> Hands down, bar none. Not in our lifetime. I don't care. If it happens, strike me down. It's not going to happen. You know, Virginia, what a wonderful season you had. You know, you had a couple little, a couple little things to help you get there, but you, had, you played the rest of the way and did it. You know, Virginia, shout out. Got one. I got you know. Shout out to these guys here. You know, we're all doing our own things to help build this. You know, Peyton with the uh, with the T. Uh, was it? Where's it? Was T it? Public. T public. public. It's not. It's T E E public. You know, like T shirt. T public dot com. Yeah. You can go find us on there. Shout out for you for you know helping uh, with the designs. Yep. Josh has got some stuff going on in the background here. You know, shout out to you with all this stuff, and then shout out to Noah as well. You know, always getting us in here and going live from Air Giant Productions. So those are my two quick ones for this. Great shout-outs, especially the Virginia one. Um, I doubted them the whole season, and they proved me wrong. They finally proved me wrong, so congrats to them. Great season. My one and only shout-out goes to Asia Durr for being selected number two overall in the WNBA draft to the New York Liberty. She had a great four seasons at Louisville. Um, I was really excited. Let's to, go. I was really – what? So let's go. <laughs> oh, yeah. She tore it up. It was a, yeah, she had an incredible four years. She's a great player. I had a lot of fun watching her play. And I hope 
I hope she has incredible success at New York Liberty and does great things there. Yeah. So shout out to her. That's my only shout out. The, the Liberty got a hell of a player. Yep. Oh, every bit. So wrapping this thing <clears> up, <throat> final thoughts, Peyton. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. We are now in the off season. Um, no more college basketball for a while, which sucks. But as long as you guys stick with us, we're going to keep putting the content out. And we've got some stuff planned out. Got the merch out now. Cook's doing some things. He just bought something for us. That's dope. Uh, Josh is doing behind-the-scenes stuff. That's going to be dope as well. Going to try going to some AU tournaments. Uh, I'm looking up for some stuff. Joined the Indiana High School Basketball Group. Looking at some stuff, and I'm excited to see what the future holds for us. It's been a great first year. So thank you all guys for listening to our content. And we'll, we'll be back with next year. Um, mine, just again, I'll keep it short and sweet as well. You know, um, Peyton mentioned we're in the offseason. And in the offseason, we're going to continue to pump out content. We're not stopping. We may here and there, like next week, I think we're going <coughs> to take like a week off to like recharge our batteries. Because we've been running really hard since the season started. Yep. Um, because we want to produce the best content available, and we just need a little recharge. But it's not going to be a long downtime like everybody else. Um, it's maybe once. Maybe maybe we only take one week off in, you know, 52 weeks. Um, but with that being said, we're going to continue to pump out the best content. We're going to start writing articles. We're going to start expanding our, our empire, should we say. Um, we've got a website we're building, Hopes Up, by the summer um, that you guys can start going to. We've got merchandise out. Um, Tyler, you know, we're going to start traveling the AAU tournaments when we can. Start getting some big-time interviews we've got lined up. Uh, don't want to spoil it, but we've got some interviews lined up that you guys would really enjoy. We're going to continue just to build um, our brand and build stuff for you, more contests. Um, shout out to the guys who, who Tyler, our inaugural um, tournament challenge champion. Shout out to oh, Darren yeah. Crawhorn and Derek Smith, who um, – Tied for second, second yep. and third, however you want to look at it. So you guys are the best. Uh, continue to follow along with us. Uh, like I said, buy our merch. Seriously, I'm not – it's not just like, oh, buy our merch because we need money or this. Everything no. you buy will go back and help us out in some ways to help you. It all kind of feeds back in itself. And support us. You people see you out with an ECB hat, right? Or people see you out with an ECB T-shirts or uh, whatever, ECB fanny pack. I don't know. <laughs> But you Ooh, see I'd rock them. the shit out of that. Yeah, <laughs> you, they see you out. It strikes up conversations, and then we got our name out. We've always told you: the more we grow, the more we get out there. The bigger we get, the better it is for you guys because it allows us more funds to give back to you in contests, free stuff, whatever. Continue to support us. Buy our merch. Let everybody know. Stick with us. It's going to be fun. Yep. Yep. You guys don't know. You already you've already contributed to this group as far as you know stuff to help build it. I didn't just take this money that from the tournament challenge and, and throw it in my pocket and go do something stupid with it. I reinvested into our our group, our company here. I got to say a digital recorder to go on the road so we can do interviews if we catch a player or catch a coach. You know we got we got audio to come back to and 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 play with you guys. Uh, I also got some uh, some software to help get some more detailed and, you know, some cool graphic designing that we're all going to co collaborate on here, you know, and continue to give us, give us better stuff. I don't know what's going on over there, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've got, uh, we got some stuff in the work, you know, we got the website coming on, we got all this and uh, it's been, it's been a cool year. We've grown, you know, it just went from Peyton and Josh starting this in their car all, all the way up into, <laughs> you know, having, sitting in front of a green screen with the camera and going live on, on every platform that you can imagine. So 
we're going to continue to keep rolling. We're going to take the week off, but uh, it's for Easter, you know. Enjoy, enjoy the time with your family. But uh, on top of all this, man, just we're glad that you ride along with us, and we're going to keep on going. I think with all that being said, um, wrapping this thing up, like I said, next week we will be taking a down week just to recharge our batteries and um, make sure we're producing the best content for you. Everybody needs a break every now and then. I'm sure you guys need it too. And then here in two weeks, um, not this next Sunday, Easter Sunday, but in two weeks at the end of April, we'll be back with episode number 21 of Everything College Basketball again at the Premier Giant Studios. And we'll be back with more great off-season content, more maybe draft news. Maybe we'll cover some NBA stuff because it's got former college players. Whatever you guys want to talk about. Yep. Uh, and maybe we start our, our off-season list of top programs, whatever. we got some fun stuff for you. But with that being said, wrapping up episode number 20 from the Premier Giant Studios, sponsored by Applied Right Painting Services. I'm Josh Burton. Peyton Burton. Tyler Cook. And we will catch you here <clears throat> in two weeks. With another. <laughs> That's all, folks. Peace. Boom.